The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The fan. WFAN. Good evening, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartney. Drive time, Danielle. And I bet maybe it's dinner time, Danielle, too. I bet a lot of you guys maybe are still commuting home from work. Navigating your way around the city through this traffic, and I just, maybe you're eating your dinner. Well, I don't know. Just, I want to thank you for choosing me to be part of your evening. And the good news is, we'll be talking all things New York sports for the next couple hours up until 11 p.m. Paul Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo Studio here in Lower Manhattan. You guys know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And as always. Let's load them up with your best content only. And just a, you know, a quick second here. I won't see you guys until after November 11. So to the veterans that have kept our country, the land of the free and the home of the brave, thank you to, for your and your family's sacrifice on behalf of us here in the studio and on behalf of the listening audience. Happy Veterans Day. Yeah, Giants fans, hope that you enjoyed your victory Monday. Of course, that's New Jersey's own John Bon Jovi there. The New York Giants sit at 3-6 and six right now. And I was kind of surprised when I saw this, I'll be honest. The Giants have all of a sudden gotten out of the basement of the NFC East. They've surpassed the Washington football team in the win column. And don't look now, but the Giants are actually tied with the Philadelphia Eagles for the second-best record in the division. So is it time to keep the faith, Giant fans? I looked at NFL.com's 2021 playoff picture. And as everybody knows, there are seven NFC playoff berths available. Believe it or not, the Giants are officially listed by the NFL as a bubble team with the phrase, this is a quote, rising up, listed underneath their logo. Now, before you go and get too excited, the Giants are ranked 13th in a field fit for seven. The essential question for the New York Giants, coming off their 23-16 victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, is can they make a real run? I present to you the McCartan's three-reason case for how the Giants could potentially make a run. Number one, well, they'd have to leave frog six teams to settle into that number seven spot and lucky for them they have four games remaining on the schedule with teams that are currently ranked higher than them a the eagles and they have as described at nfl.com a phrase falling down yeah that phrase is next to the eagles on nfl.com the giants have not one but two games against the eagles in the near future So that question will be answered relatively soon. Which is the better team between both the Giants and the Eagles? B, they could probably gain some ground by beating the Bucs, who, if the season's ended today, would be the third seed in the NFC picture. And guess what? The Giants certainly do have Tom Brady's number, so to speak. Especially in big game scenarios. You know, those two Super Bowls. The question is now, Not that it was then, but now, does this 2021 team 
have enough talent to beat Brady. See, the Cowboys are still left on the Giants' schedule. One game, and in looking at that game from October 10th, the last time they played each other, the Giants were only down by one score at halftime. A lingering question, has this team, has this Giants team gotten better in the second half play and in closing out games? We'll have to wait and see. And and the number two McCartan reason, or um, I don't know, thought about how the Giants could potentially make a run. Okay, well, return from injury. The most important being Andrew Thomas's potential return for that Bucks game. It was a right ankle injury. I mean, in four and a half games this season so far, Andrew Thomas has committed only two penalties on the season. And by the way, they were both false start penalties, not holding penalties, which means he is not getting beat to the spot, so to speak. But most importantly, Andrew Thomas has allowed exactly zero sacks. Pro Football Focus actually has him ranked with a good score of 70.3, which is a green, good grade. Pretty good for when he's been around this season. I mean, some writers are even using the phrase Pro Bowl season to describe Andrew Thomas's output so far. Quite the turnaround from when he was drafted, no? And I'm not sure how much the Saquon Barkley return from injury will help this team. Devontae Booker has been holding his own big time. I mean, he led the Giants... In scrimmage yards going into that Raiders game. And I wrote down in my notes during that Raiders game. Booker's still making people say Saquon who? He had another career high in rushing yards with exactly 135 remaining in the third quarter. Career high in rushing yards at that point. The top three, I was curious, individual rushers in the NFL in terms of rushing yards in this order are still Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb. All three were drafted in the second round. Barkley was chosen number two overall. I'll be honest, I was for the pick when it happened, but now I'm seeing that the Giants offense has found an identity. It has matured into finding an identity. And it doesn't necessarily need to run through a feature running back. Barkley, anyway. I mean, I noted during the Raiders game that even Elijah Penny was running tough. And number three... Definitely the most important key on how the Giants could make a run. The defense is playing absolutely exponentially better, even without two of its main stalwarts in uh, Blake Martinez, who was out for the season beginning in Week 3, and Jabril Peppers, who was out for the season in Week 7. You know, Aziz Ojolari, who both Cynthia Freeland and I told you right here, was going to be a slam dunk pick for the Giants if he fell to them. And he did at 50th overall. The Giants' second-rounder, Ojolari, leads all rookies in sacks. Five and a half, I believe, the number was. The Giants' defense made such a nice run together at the end of the season last year, if you remember. However, then it was just a little too late. You already know that I've been keeping an extensive chart on the opposing quarterbacks and how they perform against this New York Giants' defense. The reason why being that I feel that the offense is actually doing enough to win games. I've noted, and I've been able to quantify a trend in the Giants' defense, and it's a trend that Sam Darnold, unfortunately, who has a broken, what was it, scapula? Unfortunately, he's going to be missing some time now. Breaking news about, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. But it was a trend that Sam Darnold and the Panthers started for this Giants' defense, and 
as compared to the first six weeks of the season, and then you go through the, the Panthers and you go through the Chiefs and then you end with the Raiders so far, you're looking at the opposing quarterbacks, Darnold, Mahomes, and Carr. Well, if you compare the first six games of the season to those three, the drop-off in completion percentage is remarkable. The Giants have more interceptions in the last three games than they have throughout the first six. The Giants have allowed just two passing touchdowns to the Panthers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders combined. In the first six games, they gave up, on average, 2.3 a game. And then you mix in the fact that the Giants' defense forced Sam Darnold to a rating of a lowly 57 The Giants' defense forced Patrick Mahomes to have the worst regular season game of his career in terms of rating. And the Giants' defense forced Derek Carr into a passer rating, which is 29 points lower than his season average. I mean, this year, Derek Carr has not thrown two interceptions in a single game until the Giants. Not only did the Giants do that to him, but they also forced him into his first pick six of the season. As... It really just a coincidence that all three have had brutally bad games against this Giants defensive unit over the past three weeks. I mean, I guess it's a possibility. But it's also not a surprise to me that the Giants record through the first six games was one in five. Over the last three, they're two and one. And if we're being really honest, they're one offsides call away from being three and oh over the last three games. Why? Not because Daniel Jones is playing markedly better, although I did run his numbers too, just to see, and he is playing better in most, if not all, of the metrics that I use. But it's not a market difference. In fact, the Giants' offense only averages three more points per game over the last three games than throughout the rest of the season. And the difference over the last three weeks has been absolutely this Giants' defense finally figuring it out. So are the playoffs a real potentiality for this Giants team? Well, they've got a bye week, and then the Bucks and Eagles in back-to-back weeks. We will definitely have our answer at the conclusion of that Eagles game. But as of right now, as of today, as of tonight, I'm not yet counting out the Giants. Not yet. And I'm not saying that it's probable. I'm saying that it's possible. And there are a lot of different variables to have to happen. But this team looks to me, with the eye test, just different over the past three weeks. And it is certainly trending in the right direction, in my opinion. And up next for the Giants is that extended, quote-unquote, week 10 bye week of sorts because they've got a a date on national television on Monday Night Football at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. The good news is that the Giants, obviously, as we talked about before, certainly know how to handle Tom Brady. The question is, will they have the potential to do it this season and moving forward? We'll have to wait and see. But I'm saying it's possible. And to circle back to Bon Jovi in the beginning, Giants fans, I think at this moment, it's time to keep the faith. I came in like a wrecking ball I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break you up Yeah, that's exactly what's going to be happening at MetLife Stadium. Wall-breaking, wrecking ball, 
The Buffalo Bills, the visiting Buffalo Bills are going to absolutely demolish the New York Jets like a wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus. There is currently a 13.5-point spread on the game. I'll be there, by the way. The Bills are coming off an embarrassing loss at the hands of the lowly, lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're going to be fired up to prove that they are not as bad as they looked in Week 9. I mean... The Jets are walking into the perfect storm against this Buffalo team in a bad way. Let's be honest. The Jets are going to get destroyed no matter who is the quarterback, but we'll get to that in a second. First, let's take a look at the Jets' defense, shall we? I looked at one, two, three, four, five. Five different things that I think would be important to having, you know, being able to assess a defense in their performance. First, I looked at opponent points per game. Well, the Jets' defense is the worst in the league. Opponent red zone scoring attempts per game. Just the number of times that the opposing team gets into the red zone. The Jets' defense, you guessed it, worst in the league. Now it gets a little better from here, a little bit. The opponent completion percentage on average, Jets have to 29th, I guess lowest, 29th best in the league. Opponent passing yards per game. Jets are ranked 29th. The best category that I could find for the Jets defense was opponent rushing yards per game. They were ranked a whopping 27th. So will it be Mike White or Zach Wilson? I mean, who really cares if the defense continues to play like this? But I can't answer for what the Jets are going to do. Not yet, anyway. But if it's me... I'm putting Zach back in as as soon as he's 100% healthy. Not 99, not 97. And I get that you want to win games. Everyone does. But you have to keep your eyes on the main objective of the 2021 season and not get distracted by shiny things, Jets fans. Think long-term goals over short-term goals. The objective of this season, let me remind you, was and still is to develop Zach Wilson. And the Jets are doing everything possible to make it happen. They hired his personal quarterback coach. They didn't trade away or acquire a single wide receiver as to not upset the chemistry building process, okay? In fact, they traded for a Super Bowl winning guard to help protect him. Mike White is not the forever answer. As soon as Wilson's ready, he deserves to play. The Jets are, again, not making the playoffs this season. Mike White is not going to lead them there. And for that matter, neither will Zach Wilson. So therefore, the most important thing is that Zach Wilson develops. That's it. Period. End of story. And what better way to do it than against a defense that he's going to see, God willing, twice a season for the rest of his career. And I will ask again what I think is a really good question. And I don't know if I've seen it answered yet. Will someone please tell me how Joe Douglas even made a single trade, trade for another quarterback without having seen Mike White in game action? I mean, there was literally no rush. I can assure you that there was no run on Joe Flacco up until that trade deadline, which Joe Douglas should have waited right up until that day because then he would have seen the Mike White breakout game against the Bengals. And to make a deal for a guy that he really should have just re-signed this offseason and to give away draft capital... Um, it's not it for me. And some baseball news. The Mets 
are flying blind. They're at the GM meetings in Carlsbad, California, with Sandy Alderson as their main representative, not a new hire GM. Like, what are they doing? And, of course, Sandy Alderson was asked about their search, which has turned up exactly zero people that actually want the job. Like, I can't even count how many people were asked to interview it because interview for it because, you know, that number, I assure you, is outstandingly large because we don't even know. No one even knows how many people they've asked permission for. No one has an actual total on that. So Sandy's standing there with reporters gathered around him. And before he gets to this quote that a lot of people have seen, which I'll get to in a second, he says, this is a quote. He said, we talked to a lot of people, probably half the people that are going to be here today, <laughs> like with an actual laugh. Like he actually left after saying that. Like what part of this is a joke to you, Sandy Alderson? You've commandeered the only team in your division that has yet to win a World Series in the 21st century. And yes, I verified that because I couldn't believe it either. Not one single person wants the job that you're offering. And your organization is the laughing stock of the entire league. Like, I'm not sure what part of that is funny to anyone. Oh, and why doesn't anyone want the job? Well, Sandy Alderson rationalized this, rationalized it as this. And, and I'm going to put a pause in here, even shorter than the pause he put. Ready? He said, Admittedly, there's a reluctance to come to New York, but it's not about Steve or the organization. It's a big stage, and some people would prefer to be elsewhere. And and that pause, mine, was way shorter than his. Some people would prefer to be elsewhere? When is someone going to point out the blatant nepotism that's going on here? It's clear to me, and it has been for a few weeks, as I've told you. That this job, whoever takes it, is absolutely a temporary job. It's going to be filled just long enough until Bryn Alderson is ready to oust that person and take over as GM of the New York Mets. No one wants to be part of that. No one wants to be involved in that. I mean, I guess I could speak for myself, and I know I would not want to be part of that. And not to mention the, the, the World Series timeline that the owner put on the team, that they've already have been, what, two a year at least into that timeline? If I'm supposed to produce a World Series in two years with this Mets team, and then I don't, and then I get kicked, and then Bryn Alderson's in? No, I don't want to be part of that. I would not. And one more thing. What about this circus's impact on potential, forget a manager, but about the potential free agent targets that may not want to come to New York to play for the Mets because of all of this. Like, I, I don't get it. Maybe you can help me out figuring it out. Let's get it going. I have set the table for you. I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. I'm 
in the pursuit of happiness and I know everything is shining everything be golden <laughs> whatever welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on the fan in New York City little Kid Cudi remix action for you from DJ Pauly R behind the glass tonight and taking your calls um, before we get into anything else I, I got a tweet from uh, well the name on Twitter is Eddie Jr at 3 Eddie 6 he is a Marine Corps veteran, and he said, Hey, Danielle, how about a shout-out to the United States Marine Corps? Tomorrow is my beloved Corps' 246th birthday. Semper Fidelis, brothers and sisters, I love you all. Happy birthday, Marines. So this is from Eddie Jr., uh, and I know it's not Veterans Day, but but happy Veterans Day, because I won't be here you know, before then. So happy Veterans Day to all of you out there. Eddie and happy birthday to the United States Marine Corps. 246 years old. Wow. All right. So, the, on Saturday night, I left here, put my crap in my in the car downstairs, and I just, most of it anyway, and then I uh, ended up taking an Uber right down the street here to Madison Square Garden. And, of course... As I talked about, as you know, I had Misha Tate on and everything. It was UFC 268, my first ever UFC fight night, fight anything in person. Okay, and I just want to give another shout out to the UFC media staff. They allowed me to check in literally two and a half hours after it closed. Not it opened after it closed. So I appreciate you, Chelsea. Thank you very much. So I got there. I met up with Pete Hoffman, as you all you know, Pete, right? So I met up with him pretty much right away in that media section. He was I looked up and he was right there. I was like, oh hey. He saved me a seat. Oh, I went according to plan and everything. And probably the most exciting fight of the night, as Misha Tate told you it was gonna be the last time I was on air here, Saturday night, was easily Michael Chandler and Justin, I think it's Gutier, as you pronounce it. I mean Pete and I, we were just talking about during that opening little video montage that they play, how guys are allowed to jump off the cage walls. Like, that's that's allowed. And I was like, what? In the first fight, it happened. Chandler tried it. And then I was rooting real hard for New Jersey's own Frankie Edgar, but it um, unfortunately didn't end too well for him. He was knocked out on a resounding front kick, it's called, from Marlon Vera. And... You know, it was a fun time. It was fun. I had, a, I had a fun time. I am somewhat of a fringe fan of the UFC now, so I'm obviously hoping to catch more of it and all that, right? But, you know, I'm just able, I was glad I was able to go to my first in-person UFC match with our resident MMA expert, Pete Hoffman. I mean, it was so fun. You know when you, like, sit at a game with somebody, a football game, whatever, and you have to, like, explain the rules to them and all that? I was that person, and Pete was so patient, so... Thank you, Pete, if you're listening. So um, I hope you also like the videos that we put up on uh, the fans' social channels from the fight Saturday night. If not, you can scroll back in the timelines and look. And also, there are a ton of celebrities and everything there, but you know who, who was there? Carlos Correa was there, which, of course, generated some Correa to New York rumors. So we'll see on that front. And to the phones we go at 877 337 6666 in the order that you guys called. Looks like Kevin and Camden's leading off tonight. Kevin, what's up? What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. Love these weekdays. I, I feel more energized during the week than I do on the weekends. Yeah, I just love see that? Weekdays. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I'm going to talk about the um, I'm gonna talk about the Giants win a little bit. Okay. Um, Daniel Jones, like you said, has impressed me. But the one thing that has stood out to me is the defense. I mean, they, they it's like Patrick Graham. You know, I know the first couple weeks he struggled, but say the last couple weeks, you know, they woke up and and, and, it's, and it's looking similar to, not exactly like, but similar to last year. Yes. Um, there's one guy that you did not mention, and I think that he actually made the big play at the end there. Quincy Roach was a rookie that they claimed off waivers from Pittsburgh. Yep. He made that big play toward the end. I mean, I, I mean the Giants might have found something there. But the way this defense, the way this defense has been playing, I think you're right. I think you know what they could win. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're going to make it either. I'm not I'm not buying that for one second. But they they have a shot. They have a shot to win. And if they do good for them, if they got a shot, good for them. Yeah, you know what? I'm with you. I mean, it's just, and even I quantified it in the open with stats and everything. But just the eye test, like this defense is really flying around, and they're confu- making making offenses a little bit confused. So I'm not counting this Giants team out just yet. Not yeah, yet. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, real quick on the Yankees and the Mets. Um, everybody's talking about Verlander to New York, the Mets, the Yankees. I tell you that I do not want him anywhere near New York. Why do you say that? Why do you say that, Kevin? Well, there's a I did. I did. I did some. I did um, research. You know, I do my homework before I, every show. I do it every you know couple days before before you go on. Yep, love that. Uh, one Verlander's age, thirty-seven. I think he is. There, he's going to actually. He's going to be thirty-nine once uh, oh, pitchers and catchers report. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Um, he hasn't pitched in two years. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He hasn't like and Yankees and the Mets are both teams that need to win now. And I'm sorry, if a man's not pitching in two years, I, I don't feel comfortable giving him a contract. And also, I don't forget, and I know people are going to rip me for this, but I don't forget what he did in Houston. Like, mm. uh, the, the, all the nonsense, I, I just, I, I don't, I just, I, I stopped liking him when he was with them. I just, I, I just, I'm not a fan of him personally. You know, the one thing I'll say, I would what, what did you think about Corey Kluber? What did you think about Corey Kluber? Because he missed some significant time too. Well, that well, I mean, he did. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's, one thing. That's the one thing I would say. That, that's true. But I, I, I got two pitches that I would give a I would give a, a prove it deal to. And I know you love those ones. I do. I would give it one, and I know one's probably gonna be shot down. But another one I would really think about. Clayton Kershaw is one. I would give a prove it deal to. He's younger than. He's 33. I know he's got injury history, but, you know, that's probably going to be shot down. He's probably going back to L.A. Another one I would give is uh, Carlos Rodon from the White Sox. Mm. He's 28 years old. He's still plenty young, and I think it just fixed the timeline for both the uh, Mets and Yanks. I mean, I know he's got injury history. That's why I give him a one-year prove it. And as far as the Mets, I give um, – try to get Chris Bryant. But, you know, I'm hearing all these reports. He doesn't want to be in New York, but – He's exactly what the mess needed. The outfield at third base shouldn't have gotten him at the deadline. I, I finally, I'll admit to you now, you were right about the bias not trading for him. I oh my god! I think you were right, Chris Bryant. I will admit to you, you were right about that. <laughs> and you will, are I so. I admit, I would swallow it, and I will say you're right about that. <laughs> Kevin, you are the conductor Bryant, of the man. Javier Bias train. Kevin always have been. I know you. I know. <laughs> Chris Bryant. I think he should definitely go to the Mets. I, but and you know what? And Sandy Alderson, I'll say this real quick. 
I have no faith. I, please, he, he is just, I, I'm just so sick of hearing that man talk. I'm just so tired. Yeah. There's nothing, and, I, and, and I think it is Cohen. I think that I, I told you before, I told you this privately, I told you this publicly. I am not fond of Cohen. I, I don't, I just don't like him. Everybody, oh, he's Uncle Steve. I, no, he, he's nothing to me. You know what? And, I, and I'm going to say this, and it may get the heat with my fans. The Wolfpons were actually, it wasn't bad. I hate to say it. Oh, there was no. less drama with the Wolfpons than there is with this. Oh, no. I'm just. Uh, oh, I'm just Kevin. Don't go off the deep end, Kevin. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just in one of those, you know me, Coach, when I get in these movies. But I just, you know, just letting it all out tonight. You know me. Yeah, I got you, Kevin, and and I like the suggestion of Rodon. I'll look a little bit farther into it, but I did. I was surprised. I don't believe he was offered the qualifying offer, so I, I was kind of surprised to see that. So I don't know. We'll see. Wait, I wanted to say something else that I saw on Twitter. Ah, I forgot. All right. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. New Hyde Park. We go. Tommy, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Tommy? I'm doing all right. Um, I like calling you usually Saturday night, but uh, nice to hear you this night. Yeah, thanks. Now, give me a break with this Giants with Giant win. They think they're going to the Super Bowl because the Giants won the game. Give me a break. Who said That's that? That's not why I called. Tommy, who said that? I don't know. That's, I, I get a feeling on that. Now, no, no one said. No one said the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. Nobody said that. No, Go ahead. No I, no, I didn't say you did. Okay, but nobody did. No, the call eh, a little bit. Oh. Can I ask you about the Mets. Go ahead. All right, Sandy made made a comment, right? Yeah, he made a few, and but yeah, I don't take much out of it. Um, what do you think about what he said about that? Um, Which part? The part about are we going to get a GM or a manager first? <laughs> well, I th- see the way I think it should work, Tommy, is that you should be picking your GM first because that's the more important piece, right? And and, and then that guy picks picks the guy or girl that they feel would would work best with them in terms of making the the day to day, you know, the day in day out decisions. And you guys have to work together in figuring that out. And I would not pick a manager the same way that I wouldn't pick a football coach, you know, in a perfect world, before I pick the GM. I just wouldn't do it. I work from the top down. I don't work bottom up. So from the top down, I'm going GM first, and then let that person decide who's going to control the day-to-day operations of that team. But I guess that's an antiquated thought process because everybody now knows that it's all a collaborative effort. There's no manager going out there and making his or her own decisions. And even more so than that you got to get the right person in there as GM. And then that person in turn has to select the people that he or she, you know, vibes with, works well with, has the same philosophy as, or has a different philosophy as. Because that could even be good too if it's done in a respectful way. You pair a a new-aged GM with an old-school manager or vice versa. I think new-aged GM, old-school manager is the better of the combinations. But that could work if it's, you know, a respectful environment and it's just differing opinions. You know, I think sometimes these teams get so stuck in like a one-way sort of thinking that sometimes they get lost in it. So I think that having differing, differing opinions would be good. 
But, you know, um, it's just astounding to me how no one is even touching this Mets job with a 10-foot pole. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it has to do with the fact that there are too many Aldersons in the kitchen. I'm telling you. It's probably seen as a uh, as a you know, part-time, you know, short-lived thing. And I get that. And I actually got a tweet from Brandon Weber. This is what I wanted to read before. It says, at, Brill, uh, at real Brandon W48. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. But he said, Coach McCartan, great monologue. Maybe Cohen's timeline of three to five years changed after last year. Well, okay, Brandon, maybe it did. But what if he comes out and actually says that now if, in fact, that is the case? I don't think it, I don't think it is. And then he said, this is Brandon Weber on Twitter, he says, and I also want someone who embraces that timeline as a challenge instead of shying away from it. Of course, you want somebody to go in there and, and all guns blazing the whole thing, right? I, I get that. But that means you're taking a job, now minus a year, a, a two to four year job, probably two, and then you're going to be out and you're going to be replaced with Bryn Alderson. Come on. That's what I think. That's what I think here. But hey, I guess uh, I guess that's just me. I don't know. I would embrace it too. I would love it. But I would also know that there's an expiry date on that. So did Aaron Judge deserve to be in consideration for a gold glove in right field? I mean, the nominees for this past season were Hunter Renfro, Kyle Tucker, Joey Gallo, and, well, where was Aaron Judge's name? Give me your best take as to why Aaron Judge deserved to be on that ballot. I'll tell you what I think after I ran some numbers. Coming right up on The Fan. The Fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City, and I teased it, and let's do it. There has been a lot of commotion around Aaron Judge's being snubbed from the AL's gold glove uh, contention in right field, okay? And then I, I want to make this point here, and then we'll get to your calls at 877-337-6666. I decided to run some numbers. I decided to look at them from a numerical, a, a, a data, a, an unbiased point of view. And I asked myself, when you think of a right fielder, a right fielder on your team, what characteristics, Danielle, would you like to see from your right fielder? I just came up with a few standard ones like fielding percentage and maybe I picked a number of assists, number of errors, number of double plays turned. In softball especially, that's a big thing. When a ball's hit the right field, it's always kind of like scoop, crow hop, throw to first, mostly on any you know anything you have to charge. Um, that's a double play. I also came up with a few advanced metrics and good qualities I'd like to see from a right fielder. Runner held possession, runner uh, runner held uh, percentage, I'm sorry, percentage, runner kill percentage, and the percentage of balls that f- were fielded that resulted in outs. I'll tweet out my chart, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and I'll put it on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan for the visual learners, like in my class. Um... Because, um, and by the way, that's the second thing I'm going to put out tonight. The first one, I did put out my quarterback chart, if you guys wanted to see it, if you're a visual person uh, like I am. So, 
I looked at the, the, the nominees first. Hunter Renfro had 12 errors in right field. Like, I actually looked that up not once, not twice, three times, just to be really sure there. Like, that should disqualify him, like, immediately from contention for a gold glove. Like, 12 errors in a position that is not involved in every single play, like like a shortstop would be. I mean, I, I think that's just inexcusable. Like, his fielding percentage is well below MLB average. So, Renfro was completely out for me, no debate, whatever. Next, I looked at Kyle Tucker. He had almost a perfect fielding percentage. But he can't hold runners from advancing. I mean, he only held runners 39% of the time. And he had a kill percentage of actually zero. So those two numbers tell me that he's got a below average arm. A kill percentage of zero? Yeah, okay, out. But he's a good fielder. And then Joey Gallo as the right fielder. Remember, he got a lot of time there in Texas. He was a good candidate. And I was wondering if... You know, obviously, once he became a Yankee midway through the season, he was also becoming primarily a left fielder. And I wondered if that would have swayed the case for him from the voting managers and players. And it turns out that it didn't. Uh, he, he won. He won the gold glove for right field. And I know Yankee fans were like, wait a minute, Aaron Judge is our right fielder. Okay, so then we get to Aaron Judge and all of the uproar surrounding the fact that he was snubbed. Was he? Of a nomination, he was absolutely snubbed. Of a win for a gold glove in right field, I'm actually not so sure. And if you look at the stats and the comps that I came up with between him and Gallo, both regular and advanced, to me, and the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stats that I kind of compared, to me, it looked like Gallo was a better fielder and Judge has a much better arm. Uh, just when Aaron Judge had the ball in his hands, 61 percenters, percent of runners did not move. They stayed where they were when the ball was in Aaron Judge's hands. 61 percent of runners. So in conclusion, is there a case to be made for Aaron Judge to have been nominated? Yes. Um, is there a case that he actually would have won it? Maybe. But if I really had to pick it, and I know it doesn't make any sense because he didn't play right field for the Yankees. I mean, Joey Gallo was the right choice there. I mean, I'm just going to tweet out in a second um, all, all the work that I did so you guys can look at it too, and you could decide. So at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. I'm going to tweet this right now. My AL right field gold glove comps. That's what I'll call it. Okay, let me copy that. So I can put it on Facebook. Tweet there. And let me go back to Facebook. Uh, Facebook here, and I'll put it up there as well. So you guys can you can go and see that. And to the phones we go. 877-337-6666. Josh in the Bronx. You're up on the fan. Danielle, how are you? Good. How are you, nice Josh? Great. My concern with the Giants is twofold. Tell me. What about the other two-thirds of the Giants? You know, the defense is great. But come on, let's open up the offense and let's have some more special teams here. Yes. I mean, let's have the complete package and mm-hmm. the Giants can move up in the standings. Come on, Gettleman got you the, you know, whether they're injured or not. Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens have to do a better job of opening up that playbook and getting that ball into uh, the receivers of the running back's hands and, you know, take it from there. 
Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I love, and if you're a fan of the show, you know, I love open up that playbook. I understand the whole thing, but Daniel Jones is a really good deep ball thrower. Open it up and get it downfield. Push it downfield. Also, too, I love when the Giants play with tempo and Daniel Jones. And tempo, I mean, like, not that it's no huddle, but, you know, it's it's they know what they're doing. There's not a lot of downtime. I like when the Giants play with that. Daniel Jones plays better with tempo. It's a fact. Watch it. Just go watch it. And again, though, what I would like to see more from him, again, there was a time There was a time in the Chiefs game where it happened, and there was a time in the Raiders game where it happened. The defense, the Giants were playing with such tempo that the defense had 12 men on the field. And Daniel Jones had his head down. He wasn't looking. He wasn't counting. That's an easy, that's a gimme. That's a gimme penalty. Hike the ball and do whatever with it. But at least, you know, it's a gimme. He's got to be more cognizant of that. As you know, as a young player, and that's something he's got to learn. Keep your head up, when, especially when you're working quickly like that. I know it's tough, but it's part of the job. So um, that's, that's the one thing I would say. Open up the playbook, play with a little tempo, and, and keep your eyes open to be able to Catch defense in a, in a bad switch or something like that. And maybe the rest of the players, maybe someone could be in charge of telling him that. An offensive lineman. I mean, there, there are plenty of guys that could tell him, hey, look, hike it, hike it. There's 12 guys on the field. You know what I mean? Bayside, David, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Hey, it's me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good to hear you during the week. Ah, thanks. Always like hearing that. Thank you. So, remember we talked Saturday night after your interview with Misha Tate? Yeah. Before UFC? Yeah. So, give me your thoughts. How did you enjoy it? It was fun. You know, obviously it was my first time going to a live UFC event, but but it was fun. The energy, it reminded me, I was telling my my parents this, it reminded me of uh, back in the day when they used to take us, we we begged and begged and begged to go to like SmackDown and Raw and stuff. And uh, it reminded me of that. The entrances were great. The crowd energy was great. I, I loved it. I really did. I had a really fun time. Yeah, well, you know what? It's always exciting at the Garden. Um, you actually got to see some pretty good fights. I know. That's not really bad for the first card you went to. I know. That's what Pete was saying. Pete was telling me, he was like, listen, you are at the Garden, and you just watched that Chandler fight, which is going to be an instant classic. I said, oh, well, yes. good. <laughs> you know yeah, what, though? So when we... Dave, ahead, though, Dave, the one thing I will say is, and I said this to Pete, I leaned over and I said, hey, I, I think I figured something out. He's like, what? I said, I think I like the striking matches better than, like, the grappling matches at this point. And he was like, yeah, you know, there's a little bit more technique in the grappling. Obviously, the striking's more more right. intense and, and, and exciting. I said, yeah, I think that's what I feel right now. Well, the difference is, right, when you first start watching fights, you're always used to the striking game. Guys on the stand-up. And every fight starts the same, right, with right. everybody on their feet. Right. Once you start getting to the ground, the BJJ, the grappling, the submissions. Yep how they're working to set up a submission, that takes a little bit of time to understand. Yeah. You know, when they throw up a body triangle, for instance, or a leg lock or an arm bar, mm-hmm. how they maneuver into position, right. how they have to turn from side to side. Mm-hmm. But the more you watch, once you actually start to understand that part of the game, it kind of opens up and it becomes very exciting because you start to realize what the fighters are going for. And this is a new technique you're learning other than just to stand up. Mm-hmm. And it actually becomes a lot of fun. You know what Going else, too? To the ground one yeah, yeah, I will say that I have to get used to, like, the scoring. You know, it, for right now, to me, it just seems kind of ambiguous, really. Like, oh, 28-30. Like, oh, wait, wait. Yeah. How do they figure? Wh- where's the rubric? How do they figure right. that out? 
And the thing is, you're absolutely right, because if you look during the um, title match, right, when Usman was fighting against mm-hmm. Covington, mm-hmm. okay, so Covington takes him down two times, and they were a legit takedown. Mm-hmm. Even Daniel Cormier, who was doing the mic, he even said they were takedowns, mm-hmm. right? And he knows wrestling. So you wonder, right, okay, we get the takedown, right. but what are you really doing with it? So there is a lot of ambiguity in that when you take a guy down, how much importance does that really have in the minds of the judges? Now, some judges will look at that and say, oh, you got a takedown. That's great. Mm-hmm. But what if you just stay on top of the guy and you don't advance your position for the right. next two minutes? you got a takedown. Big deal. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing with it? Right. So it does take a little bit of getting used to. And the judging, yes, it can be iffy. In fact, the, you know, the fight with Jenga Namajunas, to be honest with you, that could have gone either way. And Which, one, which fight was that? Say, you know, the uh, title fight. Namajunas for Shang. It was, that was the women's fight. Yes. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. Fight. That, oh, that that was exciting too. Yes. Now that was a great fight. But even though that was a very close fight, you know, there was some rounds where you're looking and you're saying, okay, you know, Zhang got Rose to the floor. Mm-hmm. How much does that really count for? But on the stand-up, Rose kept the distance because she had the reach, obviously. Mm-hmm. And all she really had to do was take a step back, and you can see Zhang every time she hit, she was missing by a mile. Yeah. She has no reach. But on the feet. Namajunas was lighting her up, and that was the fight she should have been fighting, which she did. Right. So you're right. You know, which way does it go? The takedown, how much is that really worth? Right. But the Chandler fight with Gaethje, I told you when I spoke to you Saturday, that had fight of the night written all over it. Yeah. That was a thrilling fight. That was. I mean, yeah. You know, when Gaethje hit him with that uppercut, I think it was in the second round. Mm-hmm. And Chandler goes down, and you look and you say, my God, how does he take a punch like that? Yeah. I thought the fight was over right then and there. Yeah, yes, and then he stumbled back up, though. He got back up, and everybody was, like, cheering, but, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he cleared his head. Yep. He tried to get, you know, he grabbed his leg. He grabbed Gaethje's leg. Gaethje sprawled, but it gave him time to clear his head, and then he got back up. The only problem with Chandler was you could see by the second round he started to gas, and Gaethje was the fresher fighter going into the third. Yeah, right. So, well, you know, Chandler was doing the thing, like the WWE, hey, let's get everybody wild. Yeah, I like that. Home. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and that was a thrill, especially when you get punched in the head to do something like right, that. Right, right, right. But, you know, unfortunately, you could see he was gas going into the third. Yeah. But that was still a phenomenal fight. Yeah. That was just great. I mean, David, it was, yeah. and, and, and thanks for the call there, David. I got to hit the break. But, I mean, it was exciting. I mean, I would definitely, like, I would file that under things I would do again. Um. And and things I would probably I'm not see I'm not paying whatever it is for a pay per view you know and most of the times I'm here on Saturday nights but um, I would probably go in on it if people were were to do it or I don't know I don't know I don't know we'll see but I had a fun time it was fun and what I did though I, I had to I, I mean it's it was a long Saturday was a long day and it was a long week after traveling to Indianapolis sleeping for literally three hours <laughs> um, but. What I did was, I, I, this is sacrilegious, I know, but the Usman, the Usman Covington fight, which is the, the final fight, I had my backpack on and everything ready to go. I uh, left right at the conclusion of the fourth round because I had to catch an Uber back here. And good thing, a good thing, it was absolute gridlock around the garden. So I, there was no way I was getting out of there if I didn't do what I did. And, and I saw the, the highlights on Twitter anyway in the back of the Uber. So we're all good anyway. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time. I would definitely do it again. So lucky that Pete, you know, took his time to, like, explain stuff to me. And, you know, not just, like, technique, but, like, rivalries and all that. So I appreciate that. There's a phrase that used to be used around here called Mets fans for Yankees. That Craig Carton catchphrase has taken on a whole new meaning in the New York baseball scene. I'll explain coming up. And 
Oh, by the way, how can the Mets participate in these general managers' meetings without one? That, coming right up on The Fan. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Paul Rosenberg, and we are with you to 11 p.m. tonight. You know that the chant around here, Mets fans for Yankees. You know, Craig Carton, that rallying call. You've heard it before. Now, it seems to be Mets coaches for Yankees. Yeah, Luis Rojas, he's making a home. I think, right, in the third base coaching box at Yankee Stadium. I mean, I think it's a good move for him. He's going to join the media contender in the, in the Yankees. He's going to keep himself in a spotlight in case something bigger comes along, like another shot at managing a little bit down the line. I also think it's a good move for the Yankees because by all accounts, he is very well liked by the players that came up with him and the, those that were with him at the major league level. And, oh, my God. Sandy Alderson, Bryn Alderson, uh, Ian Levine, a bunch of guys, two other guys, went to California for the the general manager's meetings. And uh, I don't know how much work they can get done there with with nobody actually um, taking the job and, and, and wanting the job. Let's put it that way. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I don't know. I just... It, it's just comedic to me with how many wor- or how many names have been th- thrown against this proverbial wall. Not one of them is stuck. Like, it's really not worth any of our time exploring any of these names, no matter how, you know, oh, they, the Mets have a favorite, blah, blah, blah. Because guess what? Most of the time, as soon as they come out, they're shut down. So what's the point? I'm like, I'm done trying to figure out the, the life's work of all these different people that okay by the time i'm done fin- figuring it all out they're like yeah nah we're good we don't want the we don't want the job anyway so I, i'm done i'm done wasting time on this let's just see who they end up unearthing from wherever I, i'm available uh, if they want to give me a call i'm available the mets uh, i'm uh, i'm pretty good at this at least i think i am i got a good eye i got a good mind i could help you out let's see if i can make myself available but I would definitely sit in for the interview. All right, back in the order that guy's called. Justin in Deer Park, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. First of all, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Justin? I'm doing good. All right. Since Odell didn't coin waivers, yep. where do you think he will end up signing? I think he may go to the Packers. Mm. Where'd you see that? It's just my thought where I can, where I can possibly just see him ending up. Mm. Why do you say that? To Aaron Rodgers and rest chance to win, or I can see him ending up somehow with um maybe Baltimore somehow. Yeah, I mean, listen, I thought, and I tweeted it right when it happened. I thought Beckham was going to Green Bay. Right, you could check the timestamp on it. Everybody was like, "No, no, no, Raiders, Raiders, Raiders." I will tell you, and apparently, you can bet on it. Apparently, you could bet. I, I want to see where the, the odds are on the odds line. And I'll get back to you guys on that um, as we go back to the phones. I, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Obviously, you can't bet. I'm in New York. 
As soon as I get to Jersey, though, I can put some little cash down on that where he where he's going to be playing. Who knows? I guess that would be under player props. I don't really know. I got to find it for you. It's probably buried in here somewhere. Let's go to Valley Stream. Lane, you're up oh. on the fan. Oh, I'm hello. I'm Daniel McCartney. How are you, Lane? Um, I have some news about the um Giants that I heard. Tell me. All right. Um. Well. Okay. Um. Odell Beckham Jr. Do you think, you know, they'll possibly re-sign him or he'll stay stay in Cleveland? Lane, I thought you were going to tell me some news. I thought you were going to be my insider. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, the coach is doing his good job. Another one is is, um, number eight on the Giants, and he's doing really um, great. Like I say, he, like, really has it. Great, great, all around. Really got it. Where does Odell Beckham land? Ah, that's a little teaser. Nine twenty. I got that coming up. Stu in Red Bank, you're up on the fan. Hey Danielle, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you, Stu? Good. Hey, you know the Giants uptick here. You know the Giants are doing good. So I needed you to help me make a decision here tonight. First of all, love Uh-oh. your show. You're you're positive, and you make my ride home. Easy, so I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So, any case, me and my friend Mike now, you know, with all this, you know, Daniel Jones looking a little better, and I'm, I'm with you with the last three games, you know, the eyes open a little more to, I think, everybody just, you know, in the NFC there looking at the Giants saying, hmm, hmm. you know, they, they might have a chance, but, you know, I've never been to another stadium before, so this is what I need help with. I'm thinking about taking a f- flight out with my friend Mike. To go to that Tampa Stadium, I heard it's beautiful out there. Do you I've know been anything there. about that stadium? I've been there. The Tampa Bay uh, Buck Stadium, right, Raymond James? Yeah, Raymond James. Yeah, right. I've been there twice. So, yeah, so I'm thinking about taking a flight out there. I have vacation time I haven't taken yet. Yeah. And I feel good about the Giants' chances. I don't know what it is. I know. I just think the Giants are on, I don't know, a weird run. I don't know. if They, you know, so they can fall on their face and Brady can put up 40-something points. Mm-hmm. I can have the whole flight home, put my head between my legs. But in any case. <laughs> yeah, but there'll be a lot of I Giant fans on that flight. I guarantee it. Oh, without a doubt. I think, And, and listen, I, I just think there's a good chance of them winning that game. Yeah, I, I'm with reason. you. I know. I'm with you. You can't quantify it. You can't put your finger on it. But, I mean, they've had Tom Brady's number. In, in the two Super Bowls. I don't know. It's just, I, I feel the same way. And his defense is playing a lot better. The one thing that I, I almost don't want to see, I do not want to see Saquon Barkley come back for that game. It's just going to upend every oh, everything. I, you know what I mean? I, yeah, correct. I mean, Booker's been doing good. Yeah. I mean, he just has a little, you know, that ACL injury. I mean, I, I played football. I was a linebacker in high school. I went to Marist College. That ACL repair, it, 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 it's, it's funny because you could either – come back and have, like, an Adrian Peterson season, or you could have a, a season like, you know, Saquon Barkley's having right now. Yeah. Stutter step, not sure of himself. Yep. You know, he's not himself. I mean, the first year he did great, but leave book, leave Devontae Booker in there this week, please. Yeah, please, you know, right? I know, I know. And, and, you know, the problem for me for, for Saquon Barkley is that he runs, he, he thinks he's, like, this cutback juke guy, you know, like a Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he runs east-west so much. Just go north-south. You are as strong like a bull. No one's able to, to tackle you. There's going to take three guys to tackle you. Just run north-south. I'm telling you, he'd be a different runner if he did that. 100%. You know you know what he has to do? Have some confidence. Put your head down yep. and 
run somebody over, you know? Yep. I think I think if the Giants do play him, they gotta put Booker in, give him his fair share, and run it you know, run it and take it to the house in Tampa. You yeah. know, and then Daniel Jones, do your thing. You know, I think Daniel Jones now after that concussion, he's a little more of a, sure of himself there. And I think he's he's turning, you know, uh He's, he's turning the page here. I think the Giants fans and, 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 you know, the media, I mean, listen, I went to work Monday. We were all like, yes, oh, my God, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, it would have been that way, too, against the Chiefs. You know, but we, I, I don't know. There's there's something there with the New York football Giants that I think Monday night next week is why I'll be flying out there. I think you should do it. And that stadium is beautiful. You know, when you get there, you have to go in. If you do, do it. Um, there's um, a pirate ship. And sand, there's like a little fake sandy beach and everything. They really played up nice on yeah, the outside there. But no, not the. That's where I want to sit. No, no, not the big pirate ship on the inside. There's a pirate ship on the outside that oh. you, yeah, you can go in and take pictures in and stuff. I'll see if I can find the pictures. I'll tweet them out. I'll Facebook them out. All right, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's something that, you know, I think that would be awesome like, just to go out there. Yeah. And do something different. You know, MetLife, listen, that Sucks. stadium between the Jets and the Giants to have an NFL, you know, both those franchises that have a stadium like that, Danielle. Sucks. That's weak. You know what? I, I just came back. Yeah. I don't know if you know. I came back from uh, Indianapolis. That stadium was built in 2008. I was almost still in high school at 2008. And it's beautiful. Right. It's so much nicer than MetLife Stadium. So much nicer. It, isn't, isn't it amazing? Like, when you go to MetLife, it's just so, uh. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah. Generic. Yeah, Sterile. So I, I, said to my, I said to my friend today, to Mike, I said, listen. We're going to take a flight out there. We're going to go watch Tampa, and we're going to watch the, you know, go to Tampa Stadium there, and we're going to watch the New York football Giants beat Brady again, and all of a sudden, hopefully, you know, have some euphoria and have a, you know, a great flight home. Either that or, hey, listen, if not, nothing gained, nothing ventured. I have a great time anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I just, and Stu, thanks for that. And I just found, as you were talking, the, the photos, I went December of 2018 was the last time I was there. I'll pick a couple good ones and I'll send them out to you. But I went with my cousin um, and TJ Reeves, uh, who's been a guest on this show before, the the reporter for the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, set us up with, with tickets out there and a little headset radio so we can listen to him on the broadcast and everything. It was very cool. So this is my cousin, my cousin, Danny. He listens. Danny, I don't know if you're listening, but you're about to be put on the internet for everybody to see. Okay. Hope you're all right with that. And we'll do, let's do one more before we hit the break here. Uh, Ryan in Middlesex, you're up on the fan. All right. I'm going to try to keep it positive. I'll two quick giant points. Yeah. I just saw this fact. 2019 draft. The Giants had six of the top 106 picks in that draft. How do we still have the worst offensive line? <laughs> and how are we still depending on Aziz Ojulari, who's been great, and Quincy Roche as pass rushers? I don't like to jump on the fire gentleman bandwagon, but that is just a damning fact. That, you know, those top six, six of the top 106, plus the other draft picks, and we still don't have answers to the biggest questions he was supposed to solve. That is, so I am on the fire again, and that's, that's evidence and point number one. Quick number two, mm-hmm. I, my friends, my Cowboys, Eagles friends, friends think I'm crazy for wanting to believe in Daniel Jones. But answer me this, right? As, as Giants fans, don't we have to believe? Because God forbid he's not the guy. That sets us back easily mm-hmm. three to five years. If he's not the guy... We have to go find the next one. We start the process. I'm so desperately wanting him to be the guy, so we don't have to go through that. Am I crazy? Please, I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks. No, no. You're, Ryan, you're not crazy. Because I think Daniel Jones actually is the guy. And I said this last week, and we'll send it to break with this. 
how do I say this? Um, if it's not Daniel Jones, if it's somebody else, who is it? Who is a quarterback that has an accurate deep throw? Who is a quarterback that is a really good runner? I mean, these are two of the number top two characteristics you're looking for in a new quarterback. And, oh, by the way, he learned under Eli Manning as well. So he's got the brains. He went to Duke. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Daniel Jones. Just let him let him be. He's it. He showed you the toughness, the grit, when he got up and he had the black uh, rubber balls from the turf in his lips. He got up after that. He went for it on the, for the touchdown and ended up with a concussion. I mean, he shows you the grit. He shows you who wants to be here. He shows you who wants to be a winner. I don't know. For me, for me, there's no more question marks on Daniel Jones. Well, maybe one. Maybe like the short passes because those are like um, any pass under 10 yards to the left or to the right is where his, his weaknesses lie. But... Okay, who are you going to get that's better than him? Name me one rookie quarterback that you want to start all over with. Name me one veteran that's going to come to New York for a 3-6 and six team at the moment. Think Aaron Rodgers is coming here? You think uh, Russell Wilson's coming here? Get out of here. Just go ahead and get out of here. Is it Rich Ackerman with an update? Who is it now? Uh-oh. Husler. Okay, we've got Bob Husler with an update for you. And we'll take more of your calls coming up at 877-337-6666. It's been fun tonight, everybody. Let's keep it going. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Welcome to McCartan Before Midnight. Welcome back, I should say. If you're just getting in your car now, Welcome. Welcome to everybody. Thank you for making me part of your Tuesday evening. And I know it's not Thursday, but I did just put up some Throwback Tuesday pictures on uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. From the trip uh, to to Raymond James Stadium with my cousin in 2018. Um, yes, and, and Paul Rosenberg, he, he was very impressed with the, the creamsicle uh, color scheme that that we went with for that game. One of the classic uniforms are the the uh, Buccaneer Pirate with the cream school unis for the Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, my cousin loves those uniforms. Absolutely loves them. So um, that's all he has. Actually, I don't think he has any of the new ones, the new designs. Right. There was a time I think probably early two thousand where they had like the bright red. And they really, like, bolstered. They went away from the creamsicle. Yeah. And now creamsicle, those are, like, the little throwbacks that everyone likes once in a while. And off you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I put up a picture of us right by the ship, like, right kind of in front of the ship. One on the outside ship, what I was talking about. You can go in there and explore a little bit. It was like, it was all right. It's pretty cool. And then you could, yeah. They have all little stuff on the plaza outside where you can, like, like I have here, put my face in, like, the, the Buccaneers logo and inside a helmet. It is pretty cool. It's was, it was fun time. And they have p- people going around dressed as pirates and stuff. And they have a sand. You could step into sand. It's it's cool. I think that's cool. I know, the, doesn't the, uh, where Jag with the Jaguars play, they have a pool. I think they have like an infinity pool like in the stadium. What? Yeah. I got to get there. Yeah, I think they have a pool in the stadium. That's cool. cool. Yeah. See, what does MetLife have? Let me ask you. What does MetLife have? Nothing. Nothing. It looks like a toaster. Air conditioning unit. Central or air. Air. It looks like an air conditioner. It looks like a toaster oven. Yeah. yeah. No character. It's just sterile. No roof, even. Like, at least put a retractable roof on there. It's horrible. 
horrible. Every stadium I go to. You know, one of the first football stadiums that I went to, not in our area, was Soldier Field. Have you been there? I have not. Oh, my God. By no means am I a Bears fan, but it's you You step into it, and you're like, wow, it's so historical. I, open your eyes. I mean, close your eyes and then open them. The marble, you feel like you're in Rome. I'm not sure. kidding. Sure. It was cool. Uh, listen, I, I think that the difference is that this stadium, MetLife, Met is for two teams, right? Chicago just won. Now, L.A.'s doing it, I think, with the Chargers and the Rams. Yeah, but look what they built look with two teams. Look what they teams. built there. They built the, the cool scoreboard. It's so up-to-date. It just looks great. Yeah. And I'm sure money had a ton to do with it and, you know, taxes and all the other garbage that goes into, like, living in New York and yeah. this area, yep. which we all love. But still. Yeah. But still. But still. I really don't think it gives any sort of home field advantage either. Think about it. The stands, when you sit in like, even if you're in the front row, not in the coaches club, but in the front row, the 15 foot high walls. I mean, think about Lambeau Field. You could jump right in. I mean, for me, it doesn't generate any sort of like home field advantage for either the Jets or the Giants. Oh, absolutely not. No, there is no home field advantage for them. It's, and it's horrible. You're supposed to build a stadium to support your own team. Right. No, that's fair. On the other hand, if your team is good, then they're going to win anyway most of the time. Yeah. And right now, both teams are not that good. Sometimes you can get a little help with like a, the crowd noise, the decibel level. Crowd, well, again, that's all, starts. Th- that's all people showing up to the game. That does have <laughs> not, nothing to do with like the actual building itself. But I do agree with you, the, the overarching point, that MetLife Stadium is an air conditioning unit, a toaster, no nothing. It's all gray, black. You know, silver, whatever. Yeah. It's just nothing there. I know. It's just a stadium. And I'm listen, it was better than uh, the Meadowlands, obviously. More up-to-date. It's a more up-to-date version of the yeah. Meadowlands. That's what it is. Someone That's tweeted me that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. You know what I can't wait to get to? Raiders. I cannot wait to get to a Raiders game in that stadium. That would be... Uh, the Listen, Vegas enough. Vegas by itself yeah. is the best. Uh, when I get out there next, we'll go to a uh, Golden Knights game. We'll go Such to a, a Raiders time. game if they're going on at the same time. If I'm yeah. able to get there yeah. when both football and hockey are going on, uh, that will be a must hit. I've seen it from the outside. It's stunning, actually. At In the daytime and the nighttime. When I last stunning. went to Vegas, which is three years ago, they were building it then. So they had like the skeleton of yep. the uh, Allegiant Stadium that yep. I was looking at. But, I mean, listen, it's Vegas. They do it up 10,000%. And fast. And it went up like this, too. I know. Golden Knights game, though. Wow. Golden Knights games are so fun. I can't wait. Christina, I'm talking about it. Went to a Golden Knights game, and it was awesome. I've been to two there. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. See, I love going to things. I just love going to things. Invite me to your things, everybody. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Astoria, Queens, in the order that you guys call. Let's go. Lou, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Lou? Daniel, quickly on the UFC, which you're beginning to fall in love with. I watch it once in a while. Yeah. But to me, it's so violent. Sometimes I just hate to see somebody I know. get their neck broken. I, I know. Mean, even boxing, sometimes in the past you haven't seen it lately, but people die. I know. And it's really violent. I mean, this is not wrestling. This is real. I mean, can you imagine a kick 100 miles per hour hitting you, know, you in the neck? I was thinking about that when Frankie Edgar got kicked under his, like, where his tongue, where, underneath or, like, your it's tongue. That, that, that oh. They actually get up, you know? I know. They're tough. you got to be yeah. a little crazy to be a UFC fighter. Let's just put it that I way. Know. I know. I just hope you don't bring it up too much because uh, you make me nervous. Anyway, uh-huh. listen to me. Uh, the Giants, um, even though we're Jets fan, uh, Daniel Jones, I just noticed that. 
I noticed that if you notice lately, Mahomes, Stafford, when they don't get when the offensive line is not protecting these guys, they look so so freaking. It's a different game. They look pedestrian, don't they? We saw it in the Super Bowl last season. The Super Bowl. Remember, I told you one time that if, if he played for the Rams, mm-hmm. he could be he he'd probably be undefeated mm-hmm. because, like you said, you just point out. First of all, you didn't say he has a, 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 a cannon for a gun. He throws deep. He runs. I mean, listen. I know you're gonna. A lot of people are gonna get upset about about this. But if you get the protection that Eli Eli got, Daniel Jones is your quarterback. Don't blame him. I agree. You know he is. He is your future. And you know what? And again, without Jets, listen. Our, our second pick has got to play. Okay. Now, on the on the on, on quickly on the on the on the on the Yankees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correa, I don't want him here, especially now that the poll the media is going to go into the clubhouse. Okay. And that was a call that you got. I'm pretty sure you didn't notice that. He's talking about Berlander. That oh, I don't, I don't want him here because mm-hmm. you know what happened. I said, wait a minute, we already got the guy that is that was cheating, and we paying millions and millions of dollars. He's not the same pitcher uh-huh. in Gary Cole. Okay, now we're gonna get Correa, and if this guy doesn't produce, a lot of the guy from 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 Queens, it's gonna be a disaster. It's yeah. gonna be terrible. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. Okay, give me the guy from from Toronto. Which is, uh, I think, it's going to be the third or second in the MVP. Otani, you can't. I mean, if Otani was not there, he would have been first or second. Give me the second baseman to play a good shortstop, steal bases, he put power, and hit and, and, and make contact. Simeon, that's all I want. You take care. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Lou calls me every single time. Usually, we disagree on things. Usually, every call ends with Simeon. He wants Simeon every call. He's not stopping until Simeon is in a Yankee uniform. But I will say this, the hitters in, and and I know that, you know, it looks really bad that Garrett Cole with the spider attack, the whole thing, right? At the time, all the pitchers were, were doing it. Let's just be honest. What all of the hitters across the league were not doing was using garbage cans. So while Garrett Cole, yeah, was probably using a lot of spider attack and, and whatever else, so was everybody else. But the one thing that the Astros hitters were doing that nobody else was doing were the garbage can things. I would not want to touch any of those players, no matter who they are, with a long-term deal whatsoever at all. Zero. Zero percent chance for me. Long Island, we go. Mario, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Ciao, Mario. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wanted to talk a little um, a little mess. I heard you. I'm, I'm going off. Yeah, uh, whatever. Talking football. And... Whatever. Okay. Well, the thing is... Um, my, I'm curious. What's I, I, the rumblings I hear is um, that nobody wants to play ball with Stevie. Nobody wants to come here. Um, he can't hire anybody. Doesn't he have enough money to make sure that he can hire anybody in baseball he wants and get this thing rolling? You would think. You would think that money talks. You know, I, I don't. I mean, yes, I, you would think. But right. because all, yeah. all of all the no's, uh, there's got to be something else going on that is not money driven, or you know what I mean. Is it is it some kind of um, some kind of collusion with the old boys club in baseball that they don't like him? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not there. No one's there. No one really knows. I, it could be. It could be. Or it could be the nepotism going on with the Aldersons in the organization as well. It's re- it's really a shame because. Um, there's a, a 
there's a great opportunity there for somebody. There is. You know, to do to do something fantastic. And yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know what's holding it up, and it's very, very frustrating. Extremely frustrating because as Craig and Evan, I was listening on the way in. They were saying, uh, you know. The Yankees are, are looking at, should they sign Olsen? Should they sign this player? The Mets can't do any of that unless they got a guy in charge of running the organization. They haven't been able to find it. It's very frustrating. I get it. All right. Well, you know what? I'll keep in touch. I have some other thoughts. Thank you very much for taking my call. Yeah, of course, Mario. Thanks for making it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's got to be real frustrating as a Mets fan. Like, you can't even get into talking about which players you want to keep and this and that. And under, under the radar, by the way, Michael Conforto did not accept the qualifying offer, which we talked about. We knew he wasn't going to do it. I told him he should, but we knew ultimately that he wasn't going to. Okay. So now what? He hits free agency, right? So where is he going to end up? And for how much? And for how long? I don't know. Neptune, New Jersey. Bill, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course, First Bill. Time I'm listening to you on the radio and, uh, I think you got a great show. Thank you. Um, I wanted to touch on two things. I actually want to change my second topic to keep it with football, but uh, I don't. I'm, I'm going to make an uneducated guess here because I don't know what their cap space is like. Mm-hmm. But I would not be shocked if you see Jerry Jones pull a stop and <laughs> sign Odell Beckham, bring him back to the NFC East, and stick it to the Giants. Uh, you know, in, in any type of uh, capacity, I would not be shocked to see that happen. Let me see. Um, Let me see where the Cowboys fall in cap space. Cowboys. I just don't know where they are with that. Mm, but they've only got four million dollars to spend. Odell would gotcha. probably cost. So, all right, that eight. might be unrealistic. Yeah, that's okay. But it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a shock to see them make some kind of moves, maybe restructure some deals, make some cap space, whatever they got to do. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked to see it happen. Yeah, but isn't um, that wide receiver room a little full there in Dallas? They they are, but you know what? So Seattle. Seattle's been rumored. Um, you've got. Uh, uh, Green Bay, who's full of wide receivers, they've been rumored. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think the position itself is going to limit who signs Odell Beckham just because of the talent mm-hmm. the guy brings to the table with his, uh, you know, regardless of his on-field, off-field antics. I think the talent is just too much there for some teams to pass up, regardless of their depth at the position. I know. I just feel um, like he has to go to a team where he is going to be number one. You've seen it where he's not been number one, and it hasn't worked out. So when you put him with Amari Cooper and, and Ceedee Lamb. Is he the number one receiver out of that group? I don't know. No, but you know what? He would make a perfect slot receiver for that for that uh, group of wide receivers as well. Yeah. Well, um, is he I willing want, to? That's I wanted to thing. touch on Daniel Jones because I do agree. I think Jones is definitely the quarterback of the future for mm-hmm. the Giants. They have to build around him. They have to provide protection. They got to give him, you know, weapons that are going to stay on the field and stay healthy. Obviously, that's the you know the goal, but. Um, you know, the one thing I disagree with you on and, and, and the previous uh, one of the previous callers, to think that the Giants are going to be able to stay with the firepower that the Bucks have, I just think is, is outlandish and, and kind of a false hope of the way their defense is playing. And the only reason yeah, but, why I make – Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you look at their schedule, go up and down the list, the team, the quality of teams that they've played has really not been that great outside of the Rams – and the Dallas Cowboys, which are two teams that completely blew them out of the water and two teams that are comparable to talent in terms of uh, what the Bucks have to offer, both on the ground, in the air, and their defensive front. I understand. I, just, I don't see it happening. I, but those, those games were, and thanks for the call there, Bill, and I, and I respect the opinion. I get it. But if you looked at the chart that I tweeted and Facebooked, you'll see that there, the trend over the past 
the last three games, the Giants' defense has been absolutely on lockdown. It, it really has. I mean, though, out of those three games, let's for example, out of those three games, they have allowed only two passing touchdowns and picked off the ball four times. Compare that versus guys like the first in the first six games. I mean, it's it's non-comparable. Every single t- statistic that I looked at is just non-comparable. And yes, while Brady and, and all of those guys present a, a big problem in in matchups and things like that, that's a good point. But if the Giants can get in his face, that's the formula. Jets fans know it. That's the formula to beating Tom Brady. Get him off his mark. Make him move out of the pocket. He can't. He's not mobile whatsoever. And then see what happens. Giants fans know it from the blueprint from the from the Super Bowls. The stray hands, the tucks, you know. That's the blueprint to beat Tom Brady. Then it wouldn't matter if he's got Jerry Rice reincarnated on his team. He can't hit him if he's thrown from his back. So, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I really am. I am hopeful that the Giants come away with a win on a big stage. And like I said, I always stay away from betting these games, you know, money lines and whatever. Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. And that's just how those games are. And speaking of Odell, let's do it. Odell Beckham Jr. got his wish. Hashtag free Odell. That movement has been realized. The man is an unrestricted free agent. Giants fans, Jets fans, do you want him on your team? Give me a call. 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Alexa, play WFAN. We got some Beastie Boys for you. Wake it up, everybody, on 925 on this Tuesday evening. Not night, Tuesday evening. 877 337 6666 is the phone number to get aboard. And you know what? The free Odell Beckham Jr. movement has been realized and rather swiftly. I mean, he was waived by the Cleveland Browns yesterday, and not one single team put a claim in for him today, Tuesday. So now, Odell Beckham Jr. is an unrestricted free agent. So, would he fit on our New York Jets or our New York Giants? Take the Jets first, because that's easy. Absolutely not. And I know that Denzel Mims is now out in COVID protocol. We'll see what happens with that the rest of the week. But even with Mims out, there is no room for Odell's antics on one of the youngest, if not the youngest, team in the league. Take the Giants now. I mean, maybe. I mean, this is a Giants team now that is completely different from the Giants team that he left those years ago. I guarantee you that he would be on his best behavior throughout the rest of the season because he's obviously looking for another huge contract. If he starts pissing people off in in, in a third team or a second go-around with the Giants, let's just say, he's... People aren't going to want him. People didn't want him this time around. So he's going to be on his best prove-it behavior, that's for sure, in order to get that huge contract. The Giants also have a revolving door of wide receivers 
and their injuries. So can you imagine? Imagine, oh, just for a second, imagine that Odell Beckham Jr. comes back to the Giants. They end up making the playoffs. What a story of redemption that would be. But Beckham, Galladay, Slayton, Shepard. That sounds nice, but it also sounds like too many cooks in the kitchen. And you know that Odell likes to be executive chef. And if I'm the Giants, it's a pass from me on Odell. And it sounds like the Giants, by the way, don't get all excited. Sounds like the Giants are not fond on the idea either. Joe Judge at 4.30 p.m. yesterday said, I wouldn't say there's any anticipation. Uh, Sorry, I, I read the quote wrong. It says, I wouldn't say there's anything anticipation-wise at this moment. Also, Odell said he wants to play for a contender. So that all but eliminates the Jets and the Giants. So where does he end up? Like I said it before, go back, look at the timestamp on the tweet. I called Odell to the Packers as soon as the news broke. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been trying to lobby for help for the longest time, right? And out of Cobb and Lazard, I think Beckham would be the number one. And that sounds like a great wide receiver room to me. And, oh, yeah, the Packers are a contender. I really don't think he ends up in Seattle. And that's kind of really it. I I see. It's it's Seattle or, or the Packers. I really think it's the Packers. But. Aaron Rodgers, beware. Baker Mayfield without Odell Beckham Jr. had a higher completion percentage, a higher passer rating, and a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. Watch out. Be careful what you wish for, Aaron Rodgers. To the phones we go in this uh, 929, uh, half an hour here up until, I, I wanted to say 9 p.m. hour, but that, that, that doesn't work if it's 930. So, you know what? Let's just go to the calls. Floral Park we go in the order that you guys called. Paul, you are up next on the fan. How are you, Dave? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Great, great. So, so I did the best I could uh, with the with the homework I I did for you yesterday. I love it with the UBS arena, huh? I love it. I love that everybody does their homeworks. Right, right. I mean, that's uh, that, I I can't wait to go. Right, <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I perhaps maybe uh, the Kansas City Chiefs or Tennessee Titans for. OBJ? Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I mean, I don't know, because they don't look like a a playoff team at this point. They really don't. I mean, Mahomes looks pedestrian. And who was the other team? Uh, Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans would be interesting, but honestly, I don't know if they're a playoff team without Derrick Henry. Right. I don't know. Right. Right. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But he, he doesn't fit with the Jets and Giants, of, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, no. Not at uh, all. Not at all. No, oh, no, no, no. God, no. As long as he's uh, going could act like a jackrabbit, uh, let him uh, take it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, thank you, Daniel. Thanks yeah, of course, Paul. Thanks for that. All right. <laughs> Have a good night there, Paul. Stay safe out there. Um, okay, uh, let's go. Yeah, we can do it. Let's go Roselle Park. Stan, you're up next on the fan. Hello? Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I talked to you about two weeks ago. I think, oh, man, I'm embarrassed that maybe it's not the same person we are talking about when you were you played against the boys in basketball. That was me. Like that. Yeah, that was oh, me. Oh, I'll never forget it. Against <laughs> that know, was me. I, I, I am, um, now I remember, and uh, uh, I'm going to be calling again. I, um, 
Yeah, I'm listening to everybody. I, you know, I look at Odell Beckham and his antics, and I heard you say that maybe be on his best behavior. He has a history of acting like an idiot. So you give him a, a contract, what's yeah. going to prevent him from acting the same way? Well, I just think – well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. It's, going to be, it's going to be just to finish out this year contract. I don't see oh, anybody – oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I, okay good. Because, yeah. you know, if you look at the history of just so many of these athletes, their behavior, you know, the guy that killed someone with last week, it's insane, you know. Yeah. Somebody gave me a couple million dollars. They could tell me to pray four times a day on a rug, and I'll do it. To mess up that kind of money is just insane. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's, no, but I was going for more of like um, just to finish out this year on a deal and then play okay. for the next big one. Unless some team okay. is stupid enough to give them a, a long-term yeah. deal now, but I don't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that word stupid. Anyway, I'm going to be calling again, Danielle. I won't. Rem- I won't forget it. Same person I was talking. I'm embarrassed <laughs> Thanks, by that. No, don't worry you, about okay. it. Okay, have a good night. You too, Stan. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I used to play against the boys uh, in pretty much everything. It was, you know, the uh, competition was better. And I was good. Still am good. And, um, yeah, Craig, he's dogging me on, on the radio today about, hey, oh, playing in the football. I can play football, too, you know. I can play football. I'm pretty good. And I can kick a field goal better than Evan Roberts. Let's just put it that way. And I, listen, I did say that to their faces. This is not talking behind their backs. I did say it to their faces on the commercial break. Craig did say I could say I could play, but I actually got a shift. It's on Thanksgiving, and I got a shift on Thanksgiving. So do I play football or do I do the shift from ten to twelve, which is the exact time of the game? I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. But yes, I always played against the boys because the competition was much better. And you know who else used to wrestle against the boys to get her start? Misha Tate. How's that? Let's, uh, should we break? Should we do one more? Go to break? One more. Okay. Uh, let's go up to, is this Norwalk, Connecticut, Alex? Norwalk, Connecticut? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Alex. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. How do you not go Mike White on Sunday? I mean, his passer rating so much better, 400 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, I know Zach Wilson's the future, but how do you not go Mike White on Sunday? Oh, my question then to you is, do you want to win games now or do you want to win games for the future? It's sustained in the future. He gives you the best chance to win. He does. I'm sure he does. He absolutely does. But what is the goal of the season for the Jets? To win games or to develop a young quarterback? I don't know. Just as a coach, I, I would, you know, go with the hot hand. I really would. I would too, and I always like to do that. But you have a quarterback that you took how high, and you want to put him where on the bench against a, a divisional rival? Three and a half percent passer rating. I know it's awful. He's been terrible. Yeah, he has been. Yep, but he and has also awesome... the playbook. Let him watch. Yeah, but what do you think he's been doing over these past couple weeks? He's just been picking his nose up in a box somewhere. No. No, no. These, the, Alex, these were the weeks. These were the weeks that he sat there with the clipboard in wherever he was sitting to watch the games. That's what he was doing. He wasn't picking his nose and drinking beer. No, that's what Zach Wilson was doing. So why don't you start him? Mike? I know Mike White gives you a good chance to win the game. I know he does. He's a better quarterback right now. But a lot of things have changed in the Mike White times and versus the Zach Wilson times. Number one. The fact that they have a veteran quarterback in the room, like a Super Bowl winning quarterback, MVP in the room now. Okay, that's first. 
two, Zach Wilson has had time to sit back and, and, and observe and, and, and all that with a clipboard, so to speak. And three, they finally, finally have heard us here, you guys. They finally heard us. They moved the offensive coordinator up into the booth. Those three things, that combination of three things, are marked changes from when Zach Wilson exited to when he'll be back, hopefully, against the Bills. Is it, You have to understand, is your objective to win football games right now on a team that's going nowhere fast? Or is your objective, which it was in the beginning, is it still now to develop the quarterback that you selected so very high in the draft? And, and and the answer to those questions, are it's like one of those flow charts. Answer yes for this, then that happens. If it, it's no for that, then that happens. If your objective is to win games, you're putting Mike White in, in the short term. Win games in the short term, you're putting Mike White in. If your objective is to uh, develop a quarterback against a division rival, a really good one, by the way, a Super Bowl contending division rival for the next however many years, if, if that's your objective is to, to get your quarterback in there, your rookie quarterback, and develop him with all of the changes that have happened since the last time he took the field, then Zach Wilson's your quarterback. These are if-then statements like we used to do in geometry class for everybody, right? Sophomore year of high school. Freshman year of high school, I took geometry. If this, then that. It's very simple. And you have to ask what your feelings are. And you know what? I just got an idea. I'm going to send out a poll at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. I'm going to ask you, what is the objective, Jets fans? Is it to win games now in the short term or to develop a quarterback long term? That's what I'm going to put up there. I can't put it on Facebook. They don't allow me to do that. But um, sorry about that. But uh, I'm going to put that up on this break, and we'll take more of your calls at 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. We're on some heavy metal tonight, everybody. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. I put up a poll on Twitter. Jets fans, I ask you and I appeal to you and I ask you, A, this is at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I love short polls because I like instant gratification. I like to know the answer soon. So it looks like we're going to get an answer uh, by the top of the hour. Jets fans, what is your objective for this season? Is it A, try to win as many games as possible in the short term, or is it B, to develop a rookie quarterback that you selected number two overall? A or B? I'll tell you right now. And you, you, we still have uh, 15 minutes to get your votes in. But option B, is to develop the rookie quarterback, is winning in a landslide. Just so you know. We'll keep an eye on this. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. Okay? In the order that you guys call, that's how we do it here. Doug, is it Hewitt, New Jersey? Oh, sorry, Doc. Sorry, Doc. Doc, Doc I'm sorry. Is it Hewitt, New Jersey? This is Doc Hewlett, H-E-W-L-E-T-T, New York. Oh, New York. That's okay, okay. County. Gotcha. Go ahead. What do you got for me tonight? I got I got Odell Beckham going to the New Orleans Saints. They got a real shot at the playoffs. You got a great offensive mind in Sean Payton. He doesn't take any nonsense. If there's a meeting of the minds between these two guys, uh, Odell Beckham, he can be the number one there with Michael Thomas out down the stretch. 
And uh, he could literally be a reason why they move far into the playoffs. they got a great defense. And um, I just think uh, it's the right combination. Odell was uh, at LSU. He knows that area of the country real well. He's very popular there. It just seems like a natural for him to go play down in New Orleans. It does, but let me throw a wrench in this. Jameis Winston, out for the season, torn ACL. Is it Trevor, Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill that are going to take him there? I think Taysom Hill has definitely got a chance to take him to uh, the playoffs. He's got an element of uh, very strong ability to move the ball, and he also has the element of mobility. So uh, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but yeah. at the same time, he's been in that stretch run where he's been down to the playoffs. He's played on winning teams. He knows what it is to go to the NFC Championship game. And again, do not discount a Bill Parcells disciple in Sean Payton, a guy who is a phenomenal offensive coach. I agree with you on all that. I, I just don't see and and who and Beckham and and Tom, Michael Thomas when he comes back, who's the number one? You know it has Thomas to be is Beckham. Not coming back. Oh, he's not. Thomas is not coming back this year. All right, so it is going to be Beckham there. All right, that's not bad then. I just don't like. Just I, I just don't like who be throwing one. him the ball. I don't like. Odell wants to be number one. I know he does. Number one guy there. I know, and if the season ended today, the Saints doc would be in the playoffs. They would be the sixth seed. I'm not convinced they're going to stay there, though. I'm not convinced. Although, I like how you point out all of that, and especially the familiarity with New Orleans and LSU. I get all that. All right, so let's add the Saints onto the board. Packers, Saints. And uh, who's the other team? Seahawks. All right, we've got three. On this show, we've come up with three landing spots for him. Certainly, though, not the New York Jets or the New York Giants. Certainly. I mean, right? Right? West Palm Beach. Brian, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Listen, uh, Yankees and Giants. Uh, first with the Yankees. Matt Olson. For Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt, and Domingo Herman, I'd do it in a second. I would do that, too. That deal I would it, do, yes. Yeah, but I also would add, if I could, would also to tell me you think if Oakland would add to the pot, I want Sean Murphy, the catcher, to replace Sanchez, the defensive catcher, and I want Sean Minoy, and I'll throw in, I'll throw in one or two. I don't think they're going that far. All right. You don't think they would throw in Murphy? Nah, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I mean, right. I don't think, I mean, who am I? But I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Then also, if they can do that, then you move LeMayu to second. Yep. You sign a shortstop like Correa. Uh, I'm starting to sour on Corey Seager, but he gets injury prone. Mm. I would go with, spend the money for Correa. Yeah, you but he's a cheater. With... Excuse me? He's an unapologetic cheater. Right. Okay. And I would sign either... Starling Marte, I don't know if he's a free agent or or the guy from make a trade with Arizona and get Cattell Marte to, uh, for center field because I don't Hicks is always hurt all the time. I know, so. but you're paying him seventy million dollars. What are you going to do? You're going <sighs> to sit him I on the bench? Know, but, but he's all, he's always on the DL. I know, uh, Danielle. I you know, know it was a terrible contract. Said it when it happened. Right. It was horrible. Okay, or, or if you can, then you make a trade and you try to bring in Luis Castillo, the pitcher from Cincinnati Reds. Oh, guess what? what? That's so funny you say that, Brian. Thank you for the call there. Luis Castillo. I tried trading Glaber Torres, what, last offseason as part of a package for Castillo. People were, like, ripping me a new one on Twitter. Uh, now what? 
Glaber Torres, huh? Yeah. Where's his position on that team? Tell me where Glaber Torres is going to be playing defense on this Yankees team as it's currently constructed right now. Tell me where. Is he going to learn how to play first base? Is he going to learn how to play? Is he going to learn how to catch in this offseason? Or pitch? Come on. Glaber Torres will not be on this team come this next Yankees season. He won't be there. Where is he going to play? If the Yankees did not have DJ LeMahieu signed long-term, then that's the deal. Unless, of course, you got DJ LeMahieu sliding into first base, which would be weaken your team defensively, and you got Glaber at second, sign a shortstop and whatever, Urshel at third. I could see that happening, but that's not the best defensive alignment that you can come up with. And the Yankees need pitching. For crying out loud. Carlos in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Hey, uh, question. So, Zach Wilson, how old is he? How old is Mike White? And how old is Brady? They're talking about youth. Isn't Mike White only like 25? Why can't he be the future? Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, the Jets drafted Zach Wilson at number two. What are they going to do with him? Put him on a bench? That's like a waste. They drafted a lot of quarterbacks that didn't turn into anything. But realistically, you're going to throw away possibly somebody that'll end up on the Patriots? Is that where you think he's going? The Patriots have their quarterback. Just because you want to save a couple of million, they waste millions all the time. Listen, the Patriots Patriots have their quarterback. He's going nowhere. He's he's got the best, I think, rookie numbers that there are for the Patriots, Mac Jones. He's doing fine. They don't need him. They don't need anybody, and I, I understand that, yes, Mike White's 26 years old, Zach Wilson's 22, except in the game of the NFL, nobody. I mean, look at the Giants. They're still holding on to Saquon Barkley that they drafted number two overall. I think uh, Devontae Booker does just a, as fine of a job, even better job than Saquon Barkley does. But guess what? That would admit that they made a huge mistake. I mean, this team, this Jets front office, did not even know what Mike White was, because if they did know what he was, they would not have traded for Joe Flacco. They wouldn't have done it. So what does that tell you? I don't know. That they they don't know how to uh, evaluate the talent on their roster, clearly, already? I don't know. But if you draft a guy at number two overall... I mean, that's your guy. Then Mike White becomes an attractive trade piece. Alan in New York, you're up on the fan. Yeah, I want to follow up. I, I, I uh, on the point about Mike White. You know, the idea of him being potentially the long-term answer is a legitimate point. And you know, I look back at, at while it, I agree with you that it's tough when you did select. Wilson. Yes. But I look back and I see what Pete Carroll did, if you remember, when they drafted their Wilson, Russell Wilson, I had in a late round, later round, after signing a big contract to Flynn, they had the, he had the strength to make a tough call, which was saying that my best option here, not only this year, but longer term, is a guy that we didn't think was going to be the guy a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And you go with it. 
And then what do you do with the quarterback that you drafted number two at all? You say, oops, my bad? I mean, yeah, if, if, if White really does continue to be anything like we, we've seen so far, which is really special, and again, particularly for a guy who's not been on the field, they there are people out there that want a quarterback for next year. Yeah. They want to trade him. Yep. There's a, apparently this year is a very weak quarterback class from the NCAA. I don't know. There, there that, are options. That's what they're I, saying. But, yeah. um, I mean, it's not the easy way out. It's not the way anyone drew it up. But sometimes maybe this is in the difficult history of the New York Jets. Maybe this is the opportunity that's facing us right now. And we have to go with it. So you're starting him against the Bills, is what you're saying? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd start him. I mean, how much rope does a quarterback get? I mean, what makes him, what makes White, based on what we've seen, to get so much less rope than a kid like Wilson? I mean, well, they, both of them had no experience in the NFL going into this year. Right. There's this one guy looks ready. And the other guy's not. I mean, we know historically quarterbacks have sat for a year, and, and that's been the best way for them mm-hmm. to, to be good longer term. Putting yeah, but Wilson right back in, into the fray against the Bills is probably not good for Wilson. And frankly, as a Jet fan, as a Jet season ticket holder, you're really going to be looking at the fans, be calling for White if we, you know, you know, and, and that's not good for anybody. If we, I mean, listen, if you think there's a reason to believe that we think Wilson is all of a sudden ready, that's, that's but, a different argument. But, but think, which is, what, which is the point I'm trying to make. Think about the changes, Alan, that, that were made between the last time Zach Wilson was on the field and now. They've got a Super Bowl MVP quarterback in that quarterback room. I'll say it again. They've got uh, Zach Wilson up there with a clipboard for how many? There's only so much you can do. You can watch and observe and all that, right? You can there's comes a time where you're like, all right, let me get back out there. I know what I'm doing. I've studied this and that, all that. And not to mention the biggest thing of them all, the offensive coordinator is up in the booth where he should have been all along. And, oh, here's a fourth thing. Also, I just thought of this. The Jets hired Zach Wilson's quarterback coach, his personal quarterback coach, the Jets hired. So there's four things that have changed since the last time Zach Wilson has taken the field. Right there. That's what leads me to believe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what leads me to believe that you might see a different Zach Wilson out there. And you are you have four minutes to get your votes in. Three, actually. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And guess what? Choice B, to develop the rookie quarterback that you selected at number two overall is the main objective for Jets fans so far this season. This is at uh, 70, round up, 78%. Almost a landslide. Got a lot of comments back on this. I'm going to read them during the break. We've got Bobby Usler with an update for you guys. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. McCartan before midnight here on the fan in New York City. 
We've got a raging debate going on on my poll that I just put up. Jets fans, this is not about Mike White or Zach Wilson. This is about the goal. Let's identify the goal of this team moving forward. Is it A, to try to win as many games as possible in the short term, or is it B, to develop a rookie quarterback that you selected at number two overall? Choice A or choice B. The final results on the poll are in 20 minutes because I like instant gratification. 20-minute poll. 78% of you guys told me and voted that your goal is to develop the rookie quarterback that you selected at number two overall. Now that we've settled that, majority rules, back in elementary school, majority rules, we've settled that now, everybody. How do you do it? How best do you develop the young rookie quarterback named Zach Wilson on your team? How do you do it? My opinion, you put him out there in that Bills game. You do it. With the understanding, everybody, that if you're at that game, good point by one of the last callers. You're not chanting Mike White, Mike White. You're not doing it. I'll be at that game. I know I'm not going to be chanting Mike White because I understand the big picture of what's going on here. No organization is going to get up and say, yeah, oops, sorry. We picked him at number two. We had this whole fanfare, popping circumstance, this and that, rolled out the red carpet, all that. We picked him at number two. But actually, this guy that we didn't know anything about, and I and the reason why you know that is because, you know, we traded for a, a, a Joe Flacco without ever seeing this Mike White player ever in a game. Yeah, you know, we made a mistake. Oops, our bad. Mike White, it's going to be forever. It's not going to happen that way. I, I hate no organization is going to get up there and say that, especially the Jets, who have been in uh, quarterback purgatory. Forever. Let's just go there. Forever. They're not going to do it. Zach Wilson's the guy moving forward. Get him out there versus a a formidable, really good, I should say, divisional opponent, Super Bowl contending team. Get him out there. He's he's studied for the past couple weeks. He's been in meetings with with the Super Bowl uh, MVP, former Super Bowl MVP in Joe Flacco. He's got his quarterback's coach there for a little level of, of comfortability on the sideline, and now moved his quarter, his offensive coordinator up into the booth. All those things happened in the past whatever how many weeks that he's been out. Two, three weeks that he's been out. It's all happened. It's A lot has changed. Elijah Moore is coming into his own. A lot has changed. Put Zach Wilson out there. If he is only, though, if he is 100%, not 99, not 99 and a half, if he is 100%, he deserves to get out there and play. That's how you learn. You've studied enough over the past couple weeks. You get out there and you learn on the field. That's it. That's how I would want to be treated as a player. I'd be itching to get back out there. Okay, coach, done enough. Look, give me a test. I can do it. I can show you. Look. Studied all my tape. Studied all my playbook. This and that. I'm ready to go back. That's what I would do. Scott and Corum, you're up next on the fan. Yeah, he could study all he wants, but did he learn it? You know, you said the four things, you know, and I already started with. What are you going to do to this fifth thing? Get him a, a, a baby bottle and warm it up at halftime for him? I mean, I don't know what you mean. Mike White, this guy, Mike White, he gets the players lined up. He knows the playbooks. When, when he goes out there, and when I saw from the, from the Jets, I'm a, I'm a Giant fan. 
But I also watch the Jets, too. Mm-hmm. I watch them all. I love football. Mm-hmm. I watch it all. I, it's like Daniel Jones and this idiot Kadarius Tony. The reason why Kadarius Tony don't play, he doesn't want to run the right, right, uh, right, uh, right correct routes. The reason why Wilson isn't probably going to play on Sunday, he doesn't know how to line the team up. He doesn't know what guy's supposed to go where, who's supposed to do what. Mike White went out there, doesn't know, we don't know him from a hole in the wall. Neither does the team, clearly. It looks like an offense that knew, knew what they were doing. Yeah, but but there's also an offensive coordinator who's not looking at it from a sideline perspective, and he's looking at it from an actual offensive coordinator's perspective. He has guys up in the booth that could tell him. So oh, I, I, oh, let's play a game of telephone. Okay. Come on. Yeah, the offensive coordinator should be up there. That's where he belongs. You don't think that? Do you don't think that had any? Scott, you, Scott, Scott, you don't think that had? Okay, listen, Scott. This is how this works here, dude. All right, you're done for, Scott. You're done for, man. That's not how this works. You don't think anybody that likes football out there doesn't believe that moving an offensive coordinator from the sideline to the booth makes a huge difference on what the offense looks like on the field? Oh my God, there's something wrong with you then. There's got to be. Think about it. You're sitting in the coaches club at MetLife Stadium. That's where your seats are. Tell me where you could see a game better from. The coaches club at MetLife Stadium right there on the sideline behind the players that are 6'5 and whatever. How tall is Mike LaFleur? Let's see. Mike LaFleur height. Let's see how tall he is. Mike LaFleur height. Okay. Doesn't strike me as a big guy. Let's see. Can't find it. 34 years old. Wife is Lauren Ball. Okay, come on. Tell me how tall he is. Ah. See, when you want to try to find something, you can't find it. Mike LaFleur. Okay, I can't find it. I'll come back to that. But the point I'm trying to make is he is not. Your view from the coaches club at MetLife Stadium. If you've ever stood there on a sideline, can you see 100% of the field from that vantage point? Or would you rather sit in, in the 300 level if your, perspe- if, your, if your goal is to try to see the whole field, watch plays develop, would you rather be on the sideline or would you rather be in, let's say, whatever it is, the 300 level? You're in the 300 level. You could see 100% of the field from that vantage point. Oh, we're going to radio into this guy, radio into that guy, play a game of telephone, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't make any sense. You put the offensive coordinator up there. If you don't think that that has contributed to the Jets' surge, I don't know what to tell you. That's a main factor in what's going on with this offense. Main. Nothing against Mike White, but the future of the Jets is not Mike White. The future of the Jets is Zach Wilson. They drafted him at number two. That's when they told you that. They didn't even believe in Mike White. If they did, they wouldn't have traded draft capital for Joe Flacco to bring him in here. They wouldn't have done it. And there's a lot of other factors that have gone on over the past couple weeks. Number one being the offensive coordinator is where he belongs. He's calling plays. He could see the whole field. What is it a coincidence that Elijah Moore has had two breakout games with his offensive coordinator up in the booth? You think that's a like a, a myth, a, a mistake? Come on, man. You're football fans. You know. You know. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the number. You want to weigh in on this debate? Let's do it. Sam in Melville, you're up on the fan. 
Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm a little worked up Listen, here, Sam. Yeah, I hear it. Lifelong Jet fan. Suffered for many, many years. Never more excited than seeing Mike White on the field. Don't get me wrong. Was excited about Zach Wilson. Understanding it was going to take him some time to develop. But how can you possibly ignore? Wait, can we go back to wh- who Mike he was going to develop behind? Who was he going to develop behind there, Sam? Tell me. Watching him do what? I don't. I well, tell you. I'll tell you what. The minute Mike White stepped on the field, it looked like a football team to me. Okay. Where, okay, but, but but where was the offensive coordinator when Mike White stepped on the field? Tell me where he was on the well, sideline or up in the booth. I, I, no, I understand that. Okay, and that's on the coach. That's on the coaching staff. It is. But yes. That game against the Bengals, I actually looked in the. I looked at the TV screen. I said, I can't believe this is the Jets. They look like a football team. I was here that day. I was played. watching it too. I can't believe it too. Right. I I got it. I understand. I was here on air that I day. Wanna, I, listen. I, we have the same goal. I want to find a quarterback. I think it's Zach Wilson, but right now. So then, why are you sitting there, Mike White? Why? Why? They gotta play him. Why? They gotta see what they got. For what reason? You just said the future, Zach Wilson. Well, you sit, you watch, and you learn. He didn't look half as good as as um, what do you, Mike White did. Yeah, but what do you think he's been or, doing over the past couple of weeks? He's sitting and watching and learning. Yeah, well, I don't think he loses anything by watching a little longer. Ah, I see. think maybe Mike White turns into something and gets us something. So ah, good for him. I want to win game. I want to win games too. I know we want to get a quarterback, but I also want to win games. I'm sick of losing. Yeah, but listen, yeah, they got some winnable. They got they got some winnable games here. Yeah, tell me. And. Uh, yeah, and they have a defense. I know it hasn't played well. No, they're they awful. They are worse than the league in multiple different categories. The Jets don't have a defense. They don't. Well, no, I'm going to disagree with you. What? You're going to disagree games, with facts. Well, look, the last three games, you're right. No, but the first overall. five games of the year, they were good. No, yeah. no, no, they're not. The unit as a whole is not good. Sam, hang on here. Let me give you the stats that I ran through in the open. The Jets' defense on the season for the season, are the worst in the league in opponent points per game. They are the worst in the league, this Jets defense, in allowing teams to get into the red zone. They are the 29th in the league of 32 teams in opponent completion percentage. They're 29th in the league in opponent passing yards per game, and the best ranking that I could find for this Jets defense was that they're 27th in the league in opponent rushing yards per game. This defense sucks. Don't tell me that it doesn't. Don't tell me that this defensive unit is is, is good because it's not. The facts are there. And now Marcus May's gone. Out for the season. Yeah, that defense just got even worse than the one that was on the field in Indianapolis. By the way, did they even get off the plane in Indianapolis? Did Were they even allowed back on the plane in Indianapolis? I can confirm that at 4.30 in the morning, on Friday morning, there were no Jets in the airport. Jets players. There were Jets planes, but there were no Jets players there. Don't tell me that this defense is good. Don't tell me it's formidable. It's awful. 
This defense is awful. There are the stats. There are the rankings. You can't argue with that. Kerry and Scotch Plains, you're up on the fan. Danielle, you're 100% right. Anybody that thinks that an offensive coordinator sees it from the field better than the box yes. doesn't know football. Exactly. And there is no reason why White should be playing if you have your quarterback of the future ready to play. On the bench. As long as long as he's not going to get hurt. If the, if the offensive line is so bad that he's getting beaten up, then I might agree, but if he's the quarterback of the future, you got to let him play. Exactly. Especially against an, a, 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 a divisional rival that, God willing, he's going to play against for the rest of his career twice a season. Exactly. And, oh, by the way, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning didn't tear it up their first years either. Thank Remember you. That. Yep, exactly. And guess what? Both of them are, are going to be Both of them are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Exactly. Yep. And that's, that, to me, is all the proof I need. Yep. Yep. Kerry, awesome. Good call there. Thank you. Just think it's it's logical. You don't even need to know football. Who where do you see the game from better? On the sideline or up in the in the luxury suites? The answer is in the luxury suites, and that's basically where these boxes are. You guys, come on already. Are you there? Are you listening? That's that started when Mike White took over. That change. That is a significant change. How do you know that Zach Wilson's not going to look like Mike White with with LaFleur up in the box? You don't know that until you put him in the game to wait and see. We can keep this debate going. Is it Mike White or Zach Wilson versus the Bills? My answer, clear as day, it's Zach Wilson, as long as he's 100%. If he's not 100%, then it's Mike White. Because you don't want to further any injury Blah, blah, blah. You don't want to put him in a position where he has to choose between his health and playing in a football game. But if he is 100%, you put him out there. 877-337-6666. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Seems as though I've hit a vein, as I was just talking with Paul Rosenberg behind the glass, who's taking your calls. I've hit a vein. And this is a weird hill for me to die on, I was just saying, because I didn't want Zach Wilson to begin with. But the fact of the matter is, you picked him number two overall, you put him in the game. You see what he looks like where you have the offensive coordinator up in the booth where he belongs. Lots of calls on the on this topic, clearly. Lots of tweets on it. Couldn't catch up with them on the break. But 877-337-6666 is the number. I'm taking you up, excuse me, through 11 p.m. when the Steve Summers comes your way then. Okay? All right, let's get back to it. John in Corona, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, I disagree with you completely, 100%. I don't care if LaFleur is on my... Uh-oh, I didn't do that. I didn't cut him off. This kid, this kid on short passes is one of the most uh, – his completion percentage is down to the floor. Who is? Who, wait, now, uh, you cut out for a second. Uh, who's? Wilson. Who's? Who's? Wilson, on short throws, he's completely terrible. I'm going to pull up next-gen stats. He's a young quarterback. He's, he's a young quarterback. It's fine. But uh, Did you look, up, did you look that up before you said it? 
Did you look that up before you said it? Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Did or you yeah. watch the Jets games? Do you watch that game? No. Listen, you're telling me you're telling me that he he has you very specific. Yeah, that, on short throws, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Look it up. I am looking it up right yeah. now. Uh, let's just make yeah, sure we're, we're we've got all the facts in front of us here. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> Zach Wilson. I mean, let's it's, just it's, see. It's one of the, it's one of the main reasons why everybody you know Mac Jones is not that great. So but on short throws, the guy throwing over seventy percent. Short throws, he is just about league average from from any throw that is between zero and ten yards, except yeah. for to the right, he's he's ten uh, nine okay. points below league average. So there's that. And as as a Jet fan, and as a Jet fan, I don't care who the quarterback is, as long as they get this right. But wait, can we it's just admit Mike, that you just Mike said a stat White. without looking it up? Can you can you admit that first? Okay. Okay. Uh, that's what you're saying. Okay. No. Okay. There it is. I mean, I'm looking I mean, at it. I mean, I'm 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 gonna go with I'm gonna go with a team. I'm gonna go with you know eyes of watching the team that didn't score one point in the first half under Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll go with that. With um, with an offensive coordinator on the sideline. Okay, sure. Yeah, you can have that. Go ahead. Uh, I, let me ask you something. Is McVay calling plays on the floor? Is he calling it on the on the on the? How on the, how many years of experience does McVay have versus Lafleur? Lafleur is over in I, over his I, head. Oh, come on. He doesn't know what he's on. doing. As soon, as soon, come on, we back we back up the guy's offense looks fine. And you, if you think that has anything to do with him calling plays, you're crazy. No, it's man, you're crazy. That, that, no, uh, let me let's see Zach Wilson with Lafleur up in the booth, and let's see what happens. You look around the league. You look around. Kellen Moore was a was a rookie coordinator. He was calling plays on the ground. There's plenty of coordinators that are calling plays on the ground. The reason why the offense looks different is because this guy was skipping throws in, and it's fine. He's a rookie. But as a Jets fan, I don't care who this quarterback. If Mike White is lightning in the bottle, he's lightning in the bottle. I don't care what they do; they could trade Wilson. But it's a good problem to have for them. Mm. And if you look around the league, if you look around the league, Arizona did it with Kyler Murray. They got rid of Rosen right away. Uh, Seattle signed Max Flynn to a uh, Matt Flynn to a big deal. They put they put Wilson in a fifth round pick right away. This happens around the league. If it happened for the Jets, it happened for the Jets. You play this kid until he busts. And if he busts, he busts. And you put Wilson in. You let him sit. You brought up Eli Manning before. Eli Manning sat the first ten games of the year. Or nine games of the year, whatever it was. It is what it is. This kid's not ready. He's he's not an NFL caliber quarterback at this moment. Then why wasn't let me ask you this then. If if the Jets really did believe that, then why wasn't there a veteran quarterback on this roster to start the season? Because Joe Douglas is not is is the one that's in over his head. The guy's been terrible. <laughs> you, me, and everybody in in this in the station in the world. Somebody said, "Why doesn't the Jets have a veteran quarterback?" That's on the Jets, and that's why the Jets are the Jets. So you thought Mackay Becton was a bad pick? pick? Elijah Vera Tucker was a bad pick. Elijah Moore oh, was a bad Becton, pick. Becton, I like Becton. I oh. did want a wide receiver at that position at the, in that where they were. How, but how can you get a wide receiver if your quarterback's on his back? Because uh, good wide receivers and good weapons make quarterbacks look better. No, That's see, why. okay, I agree it's, with you on that part. But if if the quarterback is on his back, how is he going to throw it to any wide receiver? You could be have Jerry Rice out there, Jerry Rice out there, and if a quarterback is being sacked under siege all the time, I mean, come on, look at what happened with Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl. That's all I need to point to. Philip in Freeport, you're up on the fan. Are you a Jeff fan? <laughs> My lord. I Why mean, do you ask? The guy went from, you know, practice squad, hero, Hall of Fame, to hurt uh, Mr. White. Now listen, Danielle, look, every Jets fan wants to see this guy do that again. And I said it, he will get hurt. All right, Philip, great, good for you. And he did. 
It's amazing what goes on with the Jets. It really, really, really is. But you really think that if you had healthy, even Steven, you, you would put in Zach? I would start Zach Wilson, yes. Tell me why, though. What, what, what is your, you know... He's the future. You want to develop the future of this team. Mike White's not the future of this team. That's it. That's the reason. Don't get don't get caught up in in trying to catch chase a win chase a win with Mike White. No, and if Mike White, by the way, if Mike White was a real gamer, he would have said, "Coach, I got feeling back in my fingers." Because he did in that fourth quarter versus the the Colts. He did. He would have said, "Coach, put me back in. I got I got more to prove." That's what he that's what he should have said. Unreal. What? It really is unreal. What What is unreal about that? No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Like all of a sudden, like you go from. Your, your football, you know, uh, the game uh, winning football and your jersey and the Hall of Fame. And then my, for, my forearm hurts. I mean, it really is tough to, for a Jeff fan to uh, absorb. It's a roller coaster. It really is. And, and this is not good. This is like quarterback controversy all over again. It is. And it's, it's not healthy for a fan base. It's just not. And the Jets fans have been through it too much. Can I ask you a question before before you let me go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, a Nick question? I, I, is that all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, so Nick's right? Do you think that they're one player away? I've said this to, to a few people. What do you mean? Like, I mean, um, the guys out there right now, if they make that trade, they have picks. Do, do you see that? I mean, if they really get that next player, I mean, I think that put them right over the top. Yeah. Fair yes. Or not? Yes. The Knicks are one player away. Yes. One prolific scorer away, yes. Take the pressure off of Randall. By the oh. way, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, of course, Phil. Thanks. Yeah, the Knicks are one one prolific scorer away. Yes, they are. They've got a good base. They've got a great coach. They've got players that have bought into the mentality. They've um, bolstered their uh, their depth this offseason. Fournier looks great. Yes. The Knicks are one prolific scorer away from... From really making a real serious run, Stephen Hoboken, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? <laughs> well, riled up here, Steve. What's up? It's it's. Uh, I gotta say, it's it's quite ridiculous for anyone to say that the most important thing on the field is where the offensive coordinator is. So you're calling me ridiculous? Not, what you doing? Yeah, and not, and you not who the quarterback is throwing the ball. The most important thing is who the quarterback is. It doesn't mean Zach Wilson's not going to be great tomorrow, next year, or whatever. But you can't say that the offense turned around. Most important is because the offensive coordinator. That's was that was one of the it's four reasons that I gave. One the of the four. Reason, the main reason is the quarterback knew the offense better. That's all. I mean, you can't say the. So Zach Wilson, the answer to his troubles is put the offensive coordinator in the stand. Let's see. Come on. Let's see. Why not? But Steve, let me ask you: Where do you see? Where do you see the field better from this coaches club or from the three hundred level? Tell me. The most no, answer the question. On the field. What? That's the most. No, no. Answer the question, Steve. The do you see the game better from the coaches club or the three hundred level? What's the most important thing? Steve, you see, we can't, we can't, you can't answer. Listen, listen. That's not how this works. Where do you see the game better from, the sideline or the three hundred level? For for a first year offensive coordinator, where do you think he sees the game better from? I guess wherever he calls the game from. 
Oh, I'm, I can't, oh I'm not God. an offensive coordinator. Oh my so God. I guess if they put him on the field, he likes to call it from the field. And if not, he calls from the field. But tell what, me which works more, better for him. What's more important, the quarterback or the offensive coordinator? What's more important? They're both are symbiotic relationship. You can't what, pick one over the other. What's more important? They're, I just answered the question. They're a symbiotic relationship. Tom Brady's a Hall of Fame greatest quarterback in, because he's offensive coordinator. Because of him. Tom Brady is an anomaly. Tom Brady is an anomaly. He happens to know the offense a little bit better than Zach Wilson at this point in time. That's not anything wrong. That's just a fact, I guess. <sighs> so, so, so can we so, – so, okay, how about this? So how about can we see Zach Wilson – listen, okay, Steve, you had your chance. Can we see Zach Wilson? Can we see Zach Wilson with LaFleur up in the booth? And then maybe I'll eat crow and say, you know what? Maybe we were wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe the 80% of you guys that voted in the poll were wrong. Maybe. But until I see Zach Wilson with the offensive coordinator up in the booth who's calling plays, like how, how much of that fell on, on the offensive coordinator's ineffectiveness to call the correct play in the correct situation, to, to make adjustments at the half because he could see the whole field now. I mean, come on, there, there's a shared uh, blame in all of it for all of them. And why this wasn't working through the first, whatever it was, six games, seven games, whatever it was. It's all together. It works all together. Now let us see Zach Wilson with the offensive coordinator up in the booth, and then everybody can make an evaluation of him. And you know what? Why don't we just do this while we're at it? Why don't we just start Mike White, give Zach Wilson the second half, or start Zach Wilson? Come on. Somebody in my Twitter mentioned said we're evaluating both quarterbacks. How are you doing that? They both played at the same time? Come on. It's like you're not comparing the same things. You're comparing Mike White in situation A and Zach Wilson in situation B. Let's level the playing field and see where we're at. Dan in Belmar, you're up on the fan. Dan, are you there? Dan, going once, going twice. All right, sorry, dude. Give us a call back, 877-337-6666. This is amazing. This is an amazing hill to die on tonight. This is Zach Wilson for the past hour. But, hey, that's what you guys want to do? Hey, Jets fans, I hit a nerve. All right, let's continue to do it. 877-337-6666. And I did want to talk about uh, Verlander, if I can, for a second. But we'll take more of all of your calls for whatever sport, whatever team, coming up after this quick break. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. Look at all these tweets coming in. <laughs> oh, man. Lots and lots of tweets coming in. Both ways. And which makes this such a great argument. This makes a great argument, Jets fans. And we're talking about the Mike White, the great White-Wilson debate. Yeah. Uh, lots of tweets both ways coming in. I put up a poll earlier. Jets fans told all of us that their goal is to develop the rookie quarterback that they selected number two overall. 
landslide vote. Wasn't even close. The other option was to try to win in as many games as possible in the short term. Was not close. And this is a really weird hill for me to die on tonight because, again, I didn't exactly want Zach Wilson to begin with. So, he's the, but the fact of the matter is he is the future of the organization. Right now, him being on the bench, listen, it's not helping anybody. But again, he has to be 100% ready to play. 100%. If he's not, if there's a shadow of a doubt that he's not 100%, then he sits, and that's that. There's nothing more that I want than the Jets to win this game. Really. I will be there. My friend, my good friend, who's traveling across the country to be there with me, is a Bills fan. I don't like to lose. Like, we'll have a shoe-tying competition. I'm going to beat you at it. But I also understand the future of this organization is through Zach Wilson. That's it. And as far as this Verlander thing, I know I got some calls coming up. Um, you know what? Let me take the calls first. You guys want to get aboard either Jets, the, the, the quarterback debate of the Jets, if Verlander should be on your teams, I'll come back to that, okay? So let's go. Scott, I don't I don't like making you guys wait very, very long on the phone, okay? Let's go to Northport, New York. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, what's going on, Danielle? What's up, Dave? Hey, listen, there's two things. One, you keep saying that he's the future. Zach Wilson is the future. That's what the team has what, said. What if, he's, what if he's not? Just because he's second pick, what if he's not? What if Mike White's the future? It's kind of like Lynn Sanity and Mello. We thought Mello was the future. But then when Sandy came in and everybody was hyped on, Knicks weren't going anywhere, but it gave them hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jets fans just need the hope. Maybe. And since nothing else happened. Maybe. That's a good point. Mike and White definitely still, gives the hope. Yes. Now sitting now sitting above wherever they sit, the defensive coordinator, yes, I, I agree. The defensive coordinator needs a perspective to respond to the offense. But the offense sitting up, what are they responding to? They're the ones setting the field. Yeah, but in the play, they're no. not responding. So what are they responding to? By sitting they're up? responding to making adjustments. That's what they're responding to. They're looking at packages that the defense sends out. They're like, wait, you know, this guy keeps getting beat on every single coverage downfield when, when they're man-to-man. You know, like you can't yeah, see that from a sideline. Yeah, but and that's, you can't see that until after the play is ran anyway. Yeah, but okay, so let's, let's guy, put that. guy moves into motion. Yeah, but let's, let's put that in, in the deck for, for next time when we see that formation. When we see it from above, you don't have to get down to the line of scrimmage and, and let them the defense make the, the adjustment on the field. It's too late at that point. No. The offensive coordinator, look, look, listen. Do, do you play Madden, Dave, just by any chance? Have you ever played who, who the game of Madden? Who doesn't? Okay, who good. Doesn't? Okay. So there's a reason why the camera in Madden is the way it is because you can see the plays develop, right? They don't put you on a sideline camera, right? All right. That's what I'm saying, and I'm not saying that, that but, Madden, but, but, you know what but, I'm saying. But now we're talking about on offense, but the thing is, though, on offense, you pick the play, the defense responds to you when you pick the play. Now, after the plays ran, and you see how they, how they went to that. That's like when, play, when teams run the same play over and over because it's working. They saw it work, but the offense and the defense responds to it, so they're not responding to anything as the offense. So I, I understand to, what you're okay, saying. I understand what you're saying. I, conceptually, I understand, but... When you're calling plays, you're not just willy-nilly picking this play, that play. You're, there's a reason why you're picking that play over that one, right? Why? And, and why? Why is that the reason? Like, like, from what I, watched, I watched something a while ago where, where they had, like, the, it was uh, Sean Payton and uh, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. They had 65, the first 65, like, plays in case they went to overtime already preset in their head and they mm-hmm. went over it. Mm-hmm. 
There's not even 65 plays ran in the game. But they had that many prepared, one after the other, already before they stepped on the field. You know, so they have a predetermined game plan that they've already set in place. In the first drive, for sure. No, well, yeah, I, I know the first drive, of course, they went over that. But I'm just saying Drew Brees and, and Jonathan uh, Payton, they literally had an entire game plan set up regardless of what they do. If it doesn't work, you throw it out, you move to the next play. Yeah, well, if, so, if I ever get the chance to ask at the Jets facility, I will ask that for sure. Again, though, you're talking about two Hall of Fame people right there. Right, and I get it. But this is kind of like insanity, isn't it? It is, and, and, I, and I get, Dave, that's a good point. Mike White gives hope to Jets fans to get out there and finally be happy and cheer about something. Yes. But it's just the goal. I think every, all, all people rooting for the Jets can understand that they just need to find a quarterback. That's it. They all agree. The manner in which to go about Doing that, everybody seems to differ on. Mine is you play you play the kid who you thought was going to be the future until I don't know you just do. I know Mike White came out of nowhere. It's great, but the Jets organization drafted a guy, and unless you're sure sure that it's not him, I mean, gone are those days where Favre sat and and Brady sat. We understand. Everybody understands that. The NFL now is not like that anymore. You draft, you get drafted, you play. You suck for a year. It happens. It does. Lewis in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan next. Yeah, well, I'm a Cowboys fan. It's very interesting. The offensive coordinator is on the field, and the defensive coordinator is up in the booth. (laughs) The opposite. I think it's a... It's a matter of priority, which one they like better. I don't know. It's like a very interesting point you're making. And uh, you're anything but ridiculous. You're not ridiculous. The caller was ridiculous. <laughs> you're you're great to hear. But I just want to ask you, like, the Cowboys were just averaging like 30 points a game. What went wrong <laughs> this Sunday? I mean, a lot of teams that I were know. good and messed up. But I think they say the biggest shocker was the Cowboy loss, and by so much. I don't know. I thought you know. I thought the Bills game was the biggest shocker. I mean, the Jaguars. That that's what I thought was the biggest, and I think the Cowboys might have been the second biggest one. But I'll be honest, I I didn't watch the game. I I don't know, but I saw a couple highlights and stuff. But that doesn't really give you the whole picture of it. So I I don't want to assess them. You know, Cowboys usually with Zeke Elliott and Tony Mm -hmm. Pollard. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they average so many yards per run. Mm-hmm. And the passing, Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott and the tight end Schultz and CeeDee Lamb. You know, yeah. it was just hard to believe they were shut down. I mean, it was just, yeah, and I'm looking, I, I don't think it's going to happen again, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at just the, the quantity of, of receptions. and I mean, Dak Prescott only completed 19 passes. And then you look at the running game. I'm just looking at numbers here. You look at the running game. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 carries. Like, that's not a lot of total plays. So that, to me, looks like the Denver Broncos domine- domineered the, the the play clock, I mean, the um, time of possession, and that looks like they got a lot of pressure. To me, based on these numbers, looks like they got a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, and they had a good rush up front because the the, the, the running backs didn't go too far, and Dak, Dak Prescott uh, only had 19 completions on 39 attempts. That that That's what I see in the numbers. Again, I didn't watch the game, though. Okay. Uh, okay, thanks. Yeah, thanks I there, Lewis. Bye. Thank you, thank you. And might I point out that, that Dak Prescott is not a rookie quarterback. 
with a and he's not playing for a rookie offensive coordinator. And I know the Jets are just trying to figure out. They're just trying to figure out what's going to work for them. I, I understand that. And and please don't call me if they do end up putting Zach Wilson in right to start. Let's just say I don't think they're going to. Let's just I don't. I think Mike White's the starter. Let's just put that out there. But if the Jets go, do go with Zach Wilson, keeping in mind that they're not playing against the Colts defense. They're playing against a Super Bowl contending defense. So let's just temper all that, too, by the way. Anyway. And then we've got Odell Beckham Jr. trending on Twitter right now. And, and his number one preferred destination, by the way, is the Packers. Mm-hmm. Go check the timestamp. Dayton timestamp. I said it. I did say it. But I will be um, at the Jets game. Uh, Jets-Bills on Sunday, whatever that date is. Uh, Jets-Bills, I'll be there. Tweet me if you guys will be there as well. I would love to see, meet some of you guys. That'd be cool, I think. So let me know if you're going to be there and where you'll be. Thanks to all of the callers, even the Mike White callers. Could not have done this without you guys. I love coming here and talking with you all. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start of the show, 7.30 p.m., Great job to Paulie Rosenberg behind the glass today. And to Bob Usler on the updates. I will be back with you guys soon. I've got this weekend off to go to that game. I hope to meet some of you guys there. I'll let you know my next show on Twitter. I'll, I'll let you know. i got to check the schedule. But in the meantime, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we will keep the conversation going until next time, everybody. Up next, the legend, Steve Summers, coming your way. Up next on WFN Radio in New York City. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Red. WFNN. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app.